Welcome back to another episode of the All Music Is Good podcast, the podcast that takes a deep dive into four recent releases. We get right in there to try and work out what's great and sometimes not so great about each one. And this week we'll be looking at albums from Jasmine Sullivan, Jay Electronica, Kylie Minogue and Arlo Parks. But before we get into episode 17, let me say hello to a man who we discovered last week spends more time listening to long-lost and, quite frankly, irrelevant Martin Tyler YouTube soccer commentary clips as opposed to listening to the albums he actually is supposed to be reviewing for this podcast. Given that he neither edits or puts any capital towards this endeavour and then has the temerity to criticise one second of volume automation on a two-episode last week. It really is quite amazing we're even doing episode 17. So on that note, I'd like to extend a warm welcome to Arik in the doghouse bloom. Arik, Arik, I think sometimes it's good to get things off one's chest early on in the episode. Look, Waza, you know, I think um, I'm really glad that you got it, got it off your chest um, because people can often just, you know, develop all sorts of ailments when you keep that that stuff inside. So yeah, do you think do you think you're one of those guys that sort of thrive under the pressure of unresolved tensions? I, I do. I mean, for me, I, I find that kind of, you know, incredibly awkward sort of tension of does he or doesn't he, you know, carry animosity towards me is one of those things that enables me to kind of lock into the kind of mystery of life that 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 I like to sort of inhabit so I mean what was kind of really interesting about your intro was that I I actually had no idea that you'd been harboring that but I'm I'm legitimately I'm pleased for for me but more for you that you know you managed to kind of express because like without expression like who are we you know we're just we're just mammals well to keep on that theme I guess like I mean if we were to actually have episode debriefs which we said we would have debriefs then maybe this would have come up came up in the episode 16 post debrief but we haven't done that so we're doing it now Anyway, dude, we've gone through lockdown 3.0, we're back, it's 30 degrees outside today and we're in a room together. Yes. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? I mean, 3.0, I mean, I've always, I mean, I'm actually, I'm going to throw to our special guest on this question once once we've introduced them about the concept of a 3.0 because I always kind of imagined that things just like finished at 2.0, but clearly we went through 3.0. Um for those listeners uh, not living in Melbourne, Victoria, we just went uh, through a five-day lockdown, which was, I would actually say, probably harder than 120 days. Um, I actually found it really, really hard to navigate and kind of get my head around mm. the idea that, is this, are we back to where we were? But alas, Prime Minister Guy Andrews let us out. Who? Prime Minister Andrews. Prime Minister? Apparently so. Really? Okay. Um <laughs> And uh, and we're back in business. So like, I'm feeling good. I went for a run today. I went in the heat of the day, 33 degrees. Um, made me feel like a Australian Open tennis player. And um, Did you, were you wearing your one piece? <laughs> I was. I was wearing the one. Yeah, the one piece that was specifically engineered for me by um by, by my 
by my sponsor, um, Deodora. Who's which, Serena Williams' husband? What is he? Does he own Twitter? Oh, he's a, he's what a, is, a, what's his name? No. Um, Ohayan. Ohayanian. What's he own? And he's, uh, he owns Reddit. Reddit. That's right. That's that right. Reddit? Okay. Yep. Yeah, I looked him up actually the other day. He's got really, really cool Richie Sambora hair. Actually, he's got that kind of vibe. Right. Um, look, I, I've personally found the three was a good thing for. Uh, actually, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna digress. I'm gonna go back to the run. I did a run last night in in uh, in the post thirty degree heat, and I ran my last segment, my last one kilometer, my six k run in four twenty two. Oh. For anyone out there who's uh, listening, four twenty two. Is that's gut is, running? Is moving? That's gut know? running. You were, you were moving. Mm. You were moving. Speaking of moving, segue. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we kind of get down to business and uh, and introduce our uh, special guest for the evening? Well, some would say special guest, but I'll throw to you. Some would say celebrity guest. Some would say, um, look, it's the first time that we're doing this live with him, and he has been a wonder- wonderful contributor to this podcast in 2020, and he couldn't make it to the uh, best of album of the year. And I'd actually be interested to hear what he thought if we throw the top five albums at him, what he would have given as the album of the year. I would actually, I might almost just feed you a line mm. right here. Potentially, we may be introducing Mr. 3.0 himself. It's his third time. It is. <laughs> I like it. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we'd like to welcome back to the All Music Is Good podcast, Mr. Ryan Munro. Hey. Welcome, Ryan. Welcome back. I've got to say, for some reason, this is surreal just being in the same room as you guys. Yeah. Like, I'm so used to that, you know, computer screen and headphones <laughs> and sitting in the dark. And yeah, it's. Um, well, yeah. You've, you've gone through a few microphone. Um, uh, <laughs> choices over the, over the time as well. What were you doing? What were you rocking straight at the on the first one? Were you, were you seven B on the first? No, one? no, it wasn't seven B. It was a uh, it was Sennheiser a something a mm. four two one, and then I think I had a fifty seven on the next yeah, one. Yeah, that was disappointing. That kept on maxing itself out. I'm not sure why. That's right. Like, you had that the, weird sort of uh, door that was bumping it up every time, wasn't it? The volume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was hectic. I mean. What we could do to kind of habituate you tonight is maybe we could just do add a bit of lag between our comments. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, like listening back to these where some jokes just completely fall flat and you can hear us interrupting each other, but we all just sort of accept that the satellite delay is part of the fun, I guess. Yeah. 100%. I mean, when you do it live, you end up talking over each other, we've found. Uh, so, look, maybe the lag is better, I think. <laughs> it could be. I mean, I think the most awkward thing for me is like actually looking at you guys in the eyes because just when, you know, when I'm on when I'm on Zoom, I'm just looking at myself. Well, if you try to look someone in the <laughs> eyes, you're not. You're looking slightly below your camera. So, you just sort of. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's a bit unnerving. That's right. So, perhaps like as a kind of, like if we just kind of set the rules of engagement, maybe we could just look at each other's left shoulders this evening. <laughs> As a negative, though, when you're podcasting from home, you can really drink as much as you That's want, true. and then you don't have to worry about it. You can just sort of roll into bed afterwards. So, Exclusive. pros and cons. Pros and cons. cons. So, tell us, Ryan. Uh, I guess last time we would have spoken to you would have been maybe October-ish. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, what's been happening? Well, lockdown 2.0 finished, yes. and things seem to get pretty much almost back to normal, and. Uh, the traffic came back and then we went into 3.0 last week and it was great. I could cross the road without looking whenever I wanted. Like <laughs> the, the first time I, I went for a walk, I looked around and I thought, I've really missed this no traffic, like ghost town kind of vibe. So it was nice to have that back for a few days. But um, I think 
what you were saying, Eric, about um, lockdown 3.0 being surprisingly difficult, I just, uh, I guess, you know, I, I just didn't believe that it would only go for five days because mm. last time, every time we found out how much longer it would go on for, it would go on for longer than that. So, mm. uh, no, this was... Um, that's funny. That's funny you say that though, because like um that that Armageddon style no traffic on the road sort of feels like what Sunday used to be in the eighties. Yeah, you know when everything used to shut down, or there was no shops open, and everything used to shut down at midday, and then it'd just be desert or ghost town. Mm. I I miss that. That's sort of nice. Pretty much like New Zealand is these days, most days. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, if you you need to go to New Zealand to get it. Just speaking of the eighties, because one thing that came to mind was just hey hey it's Saturday and oh always yeah. <laughs> so we gl- talking- I'm really glad that you actually said that because I've got <laughs> we a question for you. Oh, wow. the other day. this is amazing because Was <laughs> sent me a clip from uh, hey hey it's Saturday the other day so well so if you recall like back back in the, back in those days I'm, I'd probably say it's more early nineties to be honest like that's my memory hmm. but there was a guy who he wasn't part of the regular team so the regular team was Daryl. Dickie Nay, Aussie, Aussie, Jackie McDonald, Jackie McDonald, um, Red then, Simons, and then there was this guy who kind of had John Blackman, John Blackman, Wilbur Wild, yep, Wilbur Wild, Molly Meldrum, Molly Meldrum, Andrew Fife, the guy who did the and like then Brian cartoon, was a guy that like played a saxophone, Wilbur Wild, dude, that was Wilbur Wild, come on man, and he was kind of had salt and pepper hair. Uh, no. It wasn't really a colour; it was more a shininess, ponytail, yeah. yeah. Ponydale, yeah, and he kind of like almost sort of spoke with a bit of a lisp sort of thing, very smiley. Yeah, I guess so. He wore yeah. sunglasses. Mm. Maybe mm. a bit. You're a bit younger. You're showing maybe your age. I there, am. Maybe I'm showing my age. I might have to look at him up because I kind of feel like Ryan's that like the Wilbur Wild of your <laughs> music is good podcast. So I'm not here every week, but he kind of shows up and it's like, oh, it's that guy again. You know, uh, semi regular guy. Semi regular yeah. guy. Yeah. But yes, I'm not quite sure what to make of 3.0s of things like. I mean, it's great to be back here for the third time, but, you know, there was no iSnack 3.0, there was no Garbage 3.0. Like, people kind of make a 2.0 of something and stop, usually. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess it's three-pointers, so Like, a three-pointer oh, is, yeah. is the ultimate, you know. Most NBA games are played now in a three-point sort of era because, mm. you know, you jack up enough shots and you're good enough, you need to play the three-point game. So, Ryan 3.0... Ryan 3.0. It's the ultimate game. Confirming it was, uh, it was Wilbur Wild. <laughs> we don't need to confirm that, dude. So it's quite funny because I sent, um, uh, um, Ryan put up a clip of his 100% hits CD the other day. He said there's only 72 points, whatever, 72% hits on it. Mm. But I actually disagree because I went through it and there, I think 100% Pure Love was on that, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. No. But um, we, we waxed lyrical over Euphoria for a little bit, the band Euphoria. Oh, yep. And uh, there was we. I sent Ryan the clip of the uh, what them singing one of their was it one of what was it one in a million, one in a million? Yeah. and the microphone choices on hey, Saturday for a mimed clip were just bizarre. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah the, they the all guy had, had a like, super fifty five. Wow. Yeah, the girls had like eighty like Neumann eighty sevens in front of them for some reason. Like and, oh, for like what when they were actually performing? Just they were miming. No, they were miming. Yeah. Oh my god, that's but it amazing. Was, it was just like well, the that worst. makes sense though because the Channel Nine studio. I mean, that they would have just been like. That stuff would be in cupboards, yeah. completely unused. Like they'd have the mics they use, and then the props, which would they would well, they would it would have been a prop Neumann, yeah, a, a real Neumann as yeah. a prop. They just would have gone to the yeah. cupboard and got out three mics. <laughs> um, it was so weird. Uh, 
can't believe I can say this, but we played on Hey Hey at Saturday. You know when it came back for not all yeah, that yeah, long, yeah. around yep. 2010 or something? Uh, no, no, oh, like, Jackie came back as well, didn't she? I can't remember. Oh, anyway, sorry. I, I, I um, But the, I, I remember the mic collection was pretty top shelf. Like I thought, wow. this is like being at Sing Sing, but there's cameras everywhere. Yeah. When we recorded um, in the ABC studios in Elsterwick, um, Hobart last year, uh, they had a full SSL desk mm. just sitting in there. And they were about to shelve it for a digital desk, but like it was like full... You know, mint condition SSL, all channels yeah, working. Wow. Oh, yeah. I was just like, what is what is going on here? Like, this is what it was. Once upon a time, yeah. somebody spec'd that and they, they got it. And, yep. yeah. Government department. Well, we the, just the, need uh, 10 SSLs well, for all our, all our Australian studios. Well, apparently when that when the fire sale happened in Elstonwick at the ABC, um, the first stuff to go were the OB vans. Oh, wow. And, um, and the OB vans were like... Properly kitted out with like mini consoles. Yep. So I, I actually went to a studio in um, in Sydney. It's called Linear Recordings, and the guy's got like a 1970s like mint condition Neve console, custom built to be able to fit into an OB van. Wow! And um, so he bought that off the ABC, and I, I know a few other studios bought stuff off the ABC. I think there's a very famous Neve desk somewhere kicking around in a studio in Melbourne at the moment, and um, and then like all the 1176s, all of the Amazing gear was all just coming off OB vans. It's kind of crazy. You think about like that'd have been a cool, cool time. Anyway, did anyone just keep the vans and just drive around <laughs> recording stuff? That'd be cool. Just with the satellite. Like imagine like someone playing a tiny gig like a bar open or something with the ABC. <laughs> yeah, totally. Around o- the side street next to the Super Lucky. Yeah. Uh, With thing. like just multi cores going up the stairs <laughs> in the window. Yeah. Yeah. You could park in that laneway, couldn't you? And yeah. run an OB van up those stairs. <laughs> Absolutely could have. It's, it is it, like Chris Gill was telling me that, um, you know, that was his dream to do a whole bunch of live albums, a live album with a whole bunch of Melbourne bands and record them yeah. and, and put them out. But um, it's really difficult to do. You really do need an OB van. Mm. You do. do. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe, I mean, maybe look to kind of throw, you know, shout out to a, an entrepreneur who is listening to the podcast. Maybe we could uh, encourage someone to take on that, take on that responsibility. <laughs> I'm sure there's a high chance of that happening, Harry. <laughs> you hear about all those albums that were made in the 70s using the Rolling Stones mobile recording unit or something. Do you? I was no, like, I they, don't know. No, on. I haven't heard that story I, either. Oh, I can't, can't remember, but like, I've just seen it on the back of a lot of albums, like using the Rolling Stones. They pretty much had an ABC OB band, but it seemed like they were the only band in the world who had one, and they just lent it out to everyone. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, where well. is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, that is. That Come is. on, we need a segue. Let's go. I think we've got a segue. We do have a segue. Well, was um, uh, perhaps after all of this, you know, talk of um, uh, you know, outside broadcasting, um, we can kind of. Come back into inside broadcasting, and uh, and move over to the, our first segment of the evening. Well, Arik, you know here at the All Music is Good podcast, we always like to rub up against things that are fashionable and hip, mainly because that's two older gentlemen, slightly beyond the prime of their lives, probably not that welcome in these spaces anymore. And as such, we give you the Instagram like of the week. It's a segment that celebrates. A new Instagram account we've come across amid scrolling the Instagram accounts of our kids, family members, and communist boxes. 
And each week, I find an account for us to follow, and I invite Arik and our celebrity guest tonight, Ryan Munro, to guess what this mystery account may be via a series of cryptic and not-so-cryptic clues. It's almost like celebrity heads, but about Instagram. Are you talking like that one that um, that Andy Lee does on um, the tennis? It could be. I mean, I guess, I guess who? whom. I guess whom. <laughs> It's, I think we, it's been, we, we were doing it way before. We, uh, I'm not sure about that, actually, but um, okay. I'm not sure how long you can keep running with that because this uh, seems to be like the third year he's done it. And uh, I don't know. Okay. Time to move on, I think. That, you know, all, all celebrity guess whom <laughs> games are good. <laughs> all <but laughs> celebrity <laughs> guess whom games are good. Anyway, <laughs> with the running total of 14 accounts that we follow, it's at the same time an exclusive yet possibly not particularly desired list to be on so without further ado let me hit you up with the first clue of the night all right this mystery go. guest or Ooh. this mystery instagram account that we are following this week um she is an australian actress okay a television personality yep fashion designer mm. singer and songwriter Okay, so she's a she's I guess what they call a slashy. She's she's a slashy. Or well, she's a she's a multi-talented, multifaceted individual. Okay. Okay. Are according we- to look, according to our favorite source of information, Wikipedia, she is worth an estimated 22 million dollars. Hold up. Hold up. Okay, so she that was a celebrity. How, how is that a clue? <laughs> you know, anytime you Google someone's name, the uh, suggestion is net worth. Is that you making all those yeah, searches? Yeah, it must be. <laughs> um, so no, hold on. So okay, so she does a lot of things, and she ha- and she her net worth is twenty two million dollars. Yeah, like okay. she does a lot of things, and she obviously does them well. Well, well no, she's no, really I, old, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Or well, maybe she's yeah, invested or, or, really well. Or maybe she's she invested just, in that game stock the other day, and she, she made twenty-two million. Yeah, in like, a day. <laughs> yeah, and it was just recently updated. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. I mean, she could also just be like from you know, country Victoria, and bought four properties in you know nineteen sixty-nine potentially. You know, that that's possible as well. But I'll, I will go on. I will go on in the UK. She's achieved 13 consecutive number one dance singles, becoming the best performing artist on the UK dance chart. She's a total of nine UK top 10 singles and 12 top 30 singles in Australia. Nine and 12, huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, this is going to give it away, but are we reviewing no, none no, of her no. albums this week? No, we're not. Okay. We're not. Okay. So, a big star. Um, oh, was there a, a, a recent like ABC docu- uh, film about her? I, I, I don't know, but okay. I don't think let's so. Go, let's go one more clue. Okay. She is an ongoing feud with Sharon Os- Osbourne dating back 10 years. Okay. Ooh. Um... No, I don't have anything. I mean, Olivia Newton-John would have no feuds with anyone. So. Well, I don't know if she's a dance single-charting no, artist. But, well, you know, physical was a bit dancey, I guess. It was a good, it was a, it was a good song. I will I might give the giving the giveaway clue now because they were, they were my clues. But she's had a, a recent issue um, in Queensland with a quarantine scandal. 
I think I know who it is. Yes. Is it the sibling of someone we're reviewing the album of this week? It may be the sibling of an album we are uh, reviewing this week. Excellent. Danny Minogue. Danny Minogue. Woo-hoo. Ryan Munro. Congratulations. Well, well played. Excellent. Well played. Also from Young Talent Time. Well, uh, that was too obvious, I think. Home and yeah. Away. Home and Away. Home and Away, that's right. Oh, And uh, married to actor Julian McMahon for a time. Um, oh, what else? There's a lot. I was a bit surprised that she'd had uh, 13 consecutive number one yeah. dance singles. That's a lot. When we say consecutive, do, <laughs> uh, does could that they mean, be remixes? Or? Does that mean 13 songs she released in a row went to number one? Because that's crazy. I would say that is what it is. Yeah what, yeah, else, what else would that mean, Wikipedia? I wouldn't have thought she would have had 13 dance singles. Name three of her songs. Uh, I can't name any of them at the moment, but I know I've got two of them on CD single at home somewhere. Probably didn't make it to 100% hits, though. No. We're talking no. early 90s, though. Yeah, really early 90s. Yeah, like, I reckon like I, the time oh. is Melissa Tocouts and Tony Perrin yeah. and, uh, you know. All those sort of, you know, home and away starlets who sort of... It was of, a slippery slope from Neighbours to the Charts back then, It was, it? and I don't think any of them had Stock Aitken and Waterman writing uh, no. either, any of those ones, but from Kylie. Anyway, that's our... That's our uh, Instagram like of the week. Instagram like so of the week. So can you tell Danny us what she's actually gramming? Like what's what's going on in Danny's world? Uh, good question, Eric. We will look at that in the break. <laughs> I think she, I mean, nothing from quarantine, obviously, but uh, actually I did see something in the papers the other day that her and her sister are in Melbourne and they were shopping somewhere. Her sister being Kylie Minogue? Her sister being Kylie Minogue, yes. Yeah. um, Did you guys watch, uh, there was that thing a few Saturdays ago on TV, it was like Michael Gadinsky put together this live music thing. Yep. Things were happening all over Victoria. Um, Well... She got up and played at the um, the one down at the, the fire. The, where, the where fireplace. Yeah, what's it called? Fireplace. Mur- God. Mur- um, Mur- yeah, yeah. <laughs> it got wiped out by the fires. Yeah, that one. But oh, it's like right, right up. Oh, like, Malakuda. Malakuda. Yeah. Thank you. So Kylie just turned up in Malakuda and came out on stage yes. and said, Hi, everyone. Here's James Rain. And then that, that she kind of seemed to go all the way there just to introduce James Rain. Oh, didn't she sing on the song? It wasn't it wasn't televised if she did. I think she did. But she just kind of came out and danced around like at the end of whatever the last song was, probably Boys Light Up. And um, Maybe didn't get paid enough. But, I, well, I mean, how, how much does it cost just to walk out on stage and say James Rain? I mean... <laughs> Oh, just to have her, though, in the audience would have been, you know, that would have been pretty cool. But I I can remember thinking at the time, A, how did she get to Australia? And B, how did did you get to Malakuta? Like, (laughs) I I wouldn't put it past Gadinsky to have a chopper. Yeah, I think they drove out there. No, I'm pretty sure they drove out there. Wow. And um, she came out and a few weeks ago and she quarantined normally like everyone else did. I remember reading that somewhere. I think that might have been a press release put out there. Uh, but anyway, um, let's uh, we, we're going to review Kylie's album soon, so let's take a quick break, and then we will come back with the first album of the night. Arik, 
The first album we have for you tonight is Kylie Minogue's new album called Disco. Guys, what can I say about this woman? Like, apart from ACDC, and that that wasn't the full band, She, do you think she's the most internationally well-known Australian artist to come out of Melbourne? Would she be? Well, I would correct the record that ACDC are from partly South Australia. Well, that's why I say Bond, Bond's obviously from South Australia, but Malcolm but, and yes, Angus yes, were... Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, sorry. I'm... Really big, I mean, and then they, they weren't originally from Melbourne either. Maybe from Scotland. Yeah. I would say probably the biggest band, well, the biggest artist to come out of Melbourne in so much as longevity and maybe what, Tina Arena could get maybe be in the ballpark in terms of Euro vibes? Nah, Kylie's way bigger than Tina, I would have thought. Mm. Interesting, the young TT, the YTT links between those two as well by saying that. But... um. <laughs> What's so funny about that? Like, no, no, you know? I, just, I just didn't know there was such a such a ubiquitous acronym oh. that you could just like <laughs> drop that. Never will understand what you're talking about. Sorry, young talent time for anyone born post 1973. Probably no. When did it finish? Probably in the late 80s. Anyway, for anyone who grew up in Australia between the years 1985 and 2002, Kylie Minogue is basically a part of your DNA fabric. And these days, I would have to say. I'm neither a fan or a hater, but as a pubescent teen, I'll willingly admit that I was a closet Carly fan. I should be so lucky. Great ha- song. Hand on your heart. Mm. Better the devil you know. All catchy as fuck. Locomotion? Well, no, no, I wouldn't put that one in there. Shot. Um, <laughs> but can't, like, can't get you out of my head. Can't get you out of my head. I'll get oh, there, yeah. I'll get there, I'll get well, there. Okay. But, like, <laughs> y- y- but those, those songs I just mentioned, I mean, you know, all by, you know, mega UK songwriting trio of Stock Aitken and Waterman. And, you know, these were the team behind Rick Astley, Banana Rama, Mel and Kim. I mean, you know, for anyone listening to Top 40 Radio um, at the time, like it was it was pop heaven, dance pop heaven. Um, and as an aside, like having just worked on a heavily influenced 80s pop album, like I've I've I listen to a lot of Stock Aitken and Waterman, and like it's actually really interesting studying their formula. Um, I don't know if you listen, listen to like, like the basslines in a lot of that Rick Astley stuff are heavy, like yeah, really hectic basslines. Yeah, I, I I went down a bit of a Stock Aitken and Waterman rabbit hole a few years ago, and spent a bit too much time just like looking into how they did everything in the studio, and yeah. What did you learn? Like it, they're interesting <coughs> songs. They're not um. Like that Banana Rama song, Cruel Summer, which I love. Like, it's so interesting how it's penned and put together. Like, mm. it's not your standard f- songwriting pop formula that they used, but somehow it just seemed to work. Anyway, um, look, when I look back researching this album, I realised that those songs were released all the way back in... Um, Oh no! So actually, when when I um, moved on, and we looked at what were the songs that you just mentioned, can't get um, you out of my head. Can't get you out of my head. That's when she moved to like a pop sort of disco housey style. Well, before, I, I don't. I spinning don't wanna, around, spinning around. Spinning around. I don't want to derail before. you, was, but I I had heard this um, story in the past, and I, it just kind of uh, basically just popped into my head as you were talking about Kylie's back catalogue. But mm. um, that song was written written and recorded in three hours. Which one? Can't get you out of my head. Wow. And pitched to Club 7 and Sophie Ellis-Bexter. Ah, interesting. Who all turned it down before Kylie turned it into interesting. that massive, massive hit. Well, I mean, there's heaps of stories in the industry of that sort of stuff happening. Um, like, 
looking back at those songs, though, that's 2000 and 2001, mm. though, those songs. And it doesn't feel like it's that long ago. I mean, where's the time go? Um, Where does the time go? And, and uh, we've also bypassed it Cave Collab. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Wild yeah, Roses, yeah, yeah. which was what, like, I mean, talk about a moment in Australian music history. That yeah. was like, she's done like she's done all that 80s stuff, all that Pop Queen stuff, and then she's come out and done that super dark version with Nick Cave. Mm. That would have probably been... 97, 8, It would it? have been after Michael Hutchins passed, so she everything yeah. kind of probably went a bit darker. Yeah. Well, that I mean, that disco stuff was, that would have been in between, I reckon. That would maybe who was getting out of Stockache and Waterman. Maybe, I, I, look, I mean, we could look it up and find out, but... That wouldn't be how we roll generally. Um, look, so she's basically been refining that sort of house disco sound for the last 20 years to varying degrees of success, I would say. Um, but regardless, she's like a bona fide international success story, um, even if she never really cracked the US. But um, an interesting fact that I sort of would draw your attention to in looking up this, and Ryan's probably all over this because, you know, that's how he rolls, but... Um, did you re- know that she um, recorded most of the vocals for this album herself? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, heard okay. it. I, I mean, you know that. Yep. It's, it's it's a lockdown album, and it's it's amazing that it was able to happen without everyone being in one place. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, so yeah, Eric, if you don't know, she she basically taught herself to use GarageBand and Logic, amazing. and set up her own sort of vocal booth at home, you know, and recorded it all. And she'd never done that before. And you wouldn't have any clues. No. I mean, she probably has a. What some shit hot mic and some no, nice breeze. Pre. I mean, I, I mean, thinking about that, I'd be really now curious to go back for a re-listen to see if she sung it differently. In so much as not having a whole room of probably men telling her how to sing, you know, mm. it, it's it's interesting. Like, I mean, I think there would have been people coming in and out and checking it, but um, look, it probably says more to the future of expensive recording studios and where that leaves <laughs> us if novices can just put you know their a little rack to, or a little rig together and, yeah. and do their vocals for like you know yeah a mega mega multi-platinum album yeah, yeah. Uh, okay look I'll, I'll quickly kick it off the thing that jumped out of me straight away from this album was the mix um and the mix and the master of this album are next level incredible i think like there's like a sonic depth to this Album that was blowing my mind with the headphones on. So a big thumbs up to the crew and of who mixed and mastered this. If you're into that sort of stuff, but if if you are, I reckon that they nailed it completely. Mm. Um, so the songs um, on first listen, the thing that stuck out to me um, possibly was it was a little too perfect for me. Um, like everything was in its right place, nothing was wrong, and therein lied the initial issues for me. It felt really. Um, controlled and compressed and i think and i and i kept thinking when i was listening straight off what would quincy have done on this like um would he have added more dynamics and some more instrumental dynamics to to the sound and would it have grooved a bit more and i sort of felt like that's what i wanted to hear straight off but having said that you you listen to the album and the live instrumentation is there but it's just super tight and compressed and there's a lot of killer bass playing going on on this album like some really Mm -hmm. shit hot bass playing but again it was mega compressed so the dynamics of it didn't come out which which i felt was a missed opportunity anyway on the flip side i guess it's um um geared to a more euro house market like as opposed to like something i would probably seriously listen to um i've given this album a few listens um and the thing that becomes obvious is that it's super there's some songs on here that are super freaking catchy Mm -hmm. magic being the obvious one because 
it's as catchy as hell. Like, I really wanted to hate the song and because I felt like it had been a bit dumbed down. But the hook hits and you listen on repeat listens, you're just like, oh, God, this is – I'm humming this every time it starts playing now and it played in our intro underneath before. I'm just like, I got happy. I'm just – the hook in the chorus is awesome. Um, but, like, after that sort of – it, the album felt like it headed into sort of, you know, pretty traditional house, you know, disco, Jamiroquois sort mm. of grooves. Um, I thought Say Something was another catchy track. But, like, you know, overall, I think it's easy to see why this album's gone number one. Um, it's not so much an album, I thought, as, like, a bunch of tracks that were all slightly similar but different enough that if you don't like one of them, you'd find one that you like or love. Um, and I thought the ones that grabbed me the most were the ones that tried to be a bit more interesting with the vocal melodies. Um, and they stood out a bit more because sometimes I felt, a uh, bit paint by numbers. Um, it's not musical. It's not musically deep. This album, um, just super refined. You know, eighties, nineties disco house. So, before I hand over to you, I just want to potentially go down a bit of a rabbit hole, if that's okay, because yeah, that's what we like sure. to do here. Yeah, do it. We got time. Why okay. Not? So, I was out walking. <laughs> Shut up, Ryan. <laughs> I was out walking on Friday night. This will be the only rabbit hole I'll go down there for tonight, okay? And I was listening to the album and Magic came on, it started. And you know how like sometimes when you're walking and you want to walk in time to the song that's that that's oh, yeah. playing? Yeah. You're a strut. Well, I'm walking the back streets of South Oakley, Arg, and <laughs> I got in time with Magic and all of a sudden instead I'm wa- instead of walking, I am strutting. Oh, I love that. It was a strut. And I'm I'm talking like serious catwalk strut. Like, like I felt like I was modelling some sort of Under Armour shorts that I was wearing at the time, and like yeah. and a Bonds t-shirt. Were you kind of like upright? Like, was it kind of more like upright, or was it more shoulder? No, it was upright. It was very upright, and it was all legs, yeah. and, and it felt like a very real thing. And the song sits at a really perfect strutting BPM, and then it sort of made me start to think, you know, what's a catwalk BPM? And if you'll bear with me for a little... It's, is it like a 110 or something? Uh, like a bit uh, below... Just one, be, 110 is the ultimate. Bear right. with me. Bear okay. with me. Because I tried to look up the top 10 catwalk songs and surprisingly, the info um, wasn't giving it to me on, on Google. There wasn't a lot of information. There was like tracks of the season uh, of 2014 from mm. Vogue and, you know, what we were listening to. So I put my thinking cap on and I came up with a bunch of tracks I thought would be in the classic <laughs> top 10. Um, and so Magic um, is at 104 BPM, okay? Yeah, nice. I'm seeing 106 over here. Uh, okay, well, I, I actually I, I, I time-batched it on, on Logic, so it's 104. So that's my sample control song, okay? So yeah, 104 no. is Magic. Madonna's Vogue, which is a you know classic catwalk track, that's at 116. That's, that's mo- fast. That's more of a power strut. Mm. So you're, you're more powerfully strutting. David Bowie's Fashion is at 109 oh, BPM. Nice, yeah. So that's starting to get a bit closer to the 104. Um, I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. That's uh, all time. Faster, yeah. 122 BPM. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, wow. that's um, Relax, Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood and the main oh, catwalk from and Zoolander. Is at one fifteen. Yeah. Girls on film by Duran Duran. That would be another classic catwalk song. You can't structure those too fast. That's at one thirty three. So maybe you go half. So maybe it's more like a seventy or a sixty. Yeah, whatever. Sixty six point five. So like it's all the the thing that I took out of it is all actually crazily varied. Um, 
And so there's no really known mathematical trends that have been established, I didn't think. So <laughs> so I took a different tact and started to think maybe it's different tempos for different attires. And uh, maybe <laughs> I'd be modelling some sort of active wear to girls on film, but maybe your go-to BPM, like just from looking at the trends, is like somewhere like the 110 to 116. And maybe you're like more high couture, um, like bulky outfits are in the one to four, one hundred four, one hundred nine range. So, so are you kind of suggesting that you were <clears throat> walking in high couture? <laughs> That's a good. <laughs> <laughs> For South Oakley, maybe I was. Yeah, uh, okay. maybe I was. Right, right. Um, look, or per, or perhaps sorry, maybe my strut is not as quick as an international supermodel, and that's throwing my theory off. Maybe that could also be something that we haven't explored. I Look, it- perhaps the theory's debunked. Like, perhaps there is no ultimate BPM. Um, but I still thought it was a worthwhile sort of investigation. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, love that. I mean, I think that would be a really interesting kind of um, assignment. Look, I think maybe in our next break, when we have a break, we should put magic on the studio and just have a bit of a walk around and see that. see how we feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a question about the walking. Were you walking on the downbeats or on the... The off beats. Like. No, I was down beats. Okay, because you, you can't. You, you can can't. bounce a bit more if it's on the off beats. It's worth a try. Yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what two and four? Yeah, I don't know. I I wasn't really thinking that. I, I mean, it, do people? I mean, do people magic str- feels like a more of one and three? Do people oh. strut? On the offbeat? Because that would be all sorts it's of It's worth trying. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I remember... Like, so on the ambeats. Okay. I spent oh. like 20 minutes on this at the VCA when I was there. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. Walking yeah. to offbeats. Yeah, yeah. Just like Rob Vink's got people to walk from one side of the room to the other with a song on their head and he got them to, you know, you, no one else could hear the song in their head, but you know, you could tell when they were doing the offbeats. They, ah, so there's a bit more pep to it. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. Mm. Anyway, on that note, um, I'm going to throw to Ryan Munro to tell us what he thought of Kylie's album, Disco. And that's how I got a hex debt. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I had a great time with this because I've realised that even though I went down that Stock Aiken and Waterman rabbit hole years ago and uh, I was reading another book on the history of pop music and it, it said that the kind of biggest explosion that ever happened was, um, I can't remember what it was, maybe Kylie's third album and that had Better, Better the Devil You Know, Step Back in Time, Shocked and... Shocked by the power. Yeah, yeah. One, one more, I can't remember the fourth one, but it was like those four number one straight singles on one album was just as good that, as it got. That was probably yeah. the zenith, wasn't it? What, what, what year are we talking? That would have been 98, maybe? Oh, I thought like 91 or something. Oh, it was oh, pretty well, early. Oh, yeah, yeah. of course it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, mm. Absolutely it was. Yeah, because it was 88 would have been, um, Locomotion was 87. 88 yeah, would have right. been, um, what's what's the big song? Her first big, I should be so lucky. Because that was on 1988 Hit Picks, I remember. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not quite 100% hits, but uh, so yeah, it would have been early 90s. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I um, digress. But even even though like I've like checked out Kylie stuff just from a you know history of pop music kind of perspective, I've never listened to a whole album. I realised, and mm. so this is the first time I've just mm. put on a Kylie album from start to finish. And I thought this is just a great way of finding out what a whole album is like and how they turn out these days. And the answer is, it, it's amazing. Like, yeah. um, I hadn't heard of any of the people she worked with, but I think they're all from Scandinavia and that's probably where you have to go oh, for... Are they Max Martin understudies, do you think? 
I'm um, actually like the, uh, the yeah. The, uh, I'm not sure. Like the assistant was, of the assistant. Maybe maybe we're like assuming too much about Scandinavia that ev- everyone knows Max Martin. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't know, but um, yeah. it's like it's basically as in fact Scandinavia. There's only one port to get in, <laughs> and there's just this massive mural of Max Martin, and then there's like three queues that say what Finland, Sweden, mm. um, Norway, Denmark, and you just got to pick one. But Max Martin is oversees that whole. <laughs> Whole immigration <laughs> control. Yep. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's great. I mean, it's. I don't really know who buys a Kylie Minogue album these days, to be honest. Like, I think she just has fans who will check anything out. But this one has gone a lot better than the last few, from what I've gathered. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But um, no, like, great catchy songs, and that that one magic is definitely the highlight for me. Like. It made me realise that Kylie Minogue is has qualified for a very special category. It is artists whose new material gets played on Gold One Hundred and Four, <laughs> and <'cause, laughs> yeah. like that that yeah. Gold One Hundred and Four play music that well, I mean these days that only has to be like ten years old. Yeah. But uh, if your new release gets played on Gold One Hundred and Four, you. Uh, in the same category as John Farnham and pretty much no one else now. So, yeah. So, Kylie, welcome well, to the, the John Farnham Club. That, um, you know, for the last 20 years, there's a similarity to all the songs probably means that people know it's Kylie, but maybe they don't know what album it came off. Mm. So it could be 20 years old. But, yeah, I think I first heard that song in the car listening to Gold 104 and I just thought, this is amazing. <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, and I don't know, because she's from Melbourne and, as you said, possibly the, the most – the biggest musical success story to come out of yeah. Melbourne and, and, you know, until we think of someone else. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just You just think, yeah, all right. What did you think she of the mix? Did you like it? It sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you um, have an issue with the, the compression on it? Like it was super club. Like it's set for a dance floor mm. um, in a nightclub that may open at some and I think, I think, I mean, I would say that that's not even like, like th- it should, yeah, it should be listened to in no other environment, you know, it is yeah. absolutely that that <laughs> kind of album. I, I had my headphones on and I was washing the dishes. Yeah, that was <laughs> that yeah. headphone candy washing dishes. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That was as close to a club as we're getting in lockdown three point oh. Yeah, or modelling sort of cheap or, designer yeah. knockoff designer wear <laughs> on a walk. Yeah, you know? true, true. Hey, I've got another song to add to the uh, oh, yeah. catwalk list. Yes. Too Funky by George Michael. Oh, absolutely. Because oh. remember the video was all like catwalk models walking up and down yes, a catwalk. Yes, 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 yes. Like in, Linda Evangelista and oh, I don't know who, who else was around back then. But there's, um, there's something else to check out uh, at quarter time, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. Too Funky. And that's... um. Yeah. It's a bit like that, I Want Your Sex, but not as good. Yeah, it's about the same tempo as uh, Magic by Kylie Minogue as well. So I think no. it We're going to have to, have to come back next week and maybe have a, an ultimate top ten list. Um, <laughs> I just thought it was a good digression. So Magic being was was your uh, was your fave. Any other ones pop out for you? Yeah, there was one towards the end. Um, uh Maybe it was Dance Floor Darling. That had the best bass playing I've, I've I heard on not just the album, but, you know, for years. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I, I looked up who it was. I, I hadn't heard of the guy, but he uh, he played on it. And it, it sounds like he probably recorded at home and, you know, was able to spend seven hours getting the ultimate take. Like Or just MIDI, you know. You know, oh, it just it sounded like a guy playing, but 
Yeah. I thought that as well. I, I that's that's that was my Quincy comment because <clears throat> it just felt like if it if it had been more live, like she could have actually um, produced something that was quite a really interesting, like really yeah, um, something kind of the Noel Rogers. Yeah, yeah, maybe world. I think that's what I want her to do something yeah. more of because it's, it's it it feels too Ableton-ish, too paint by numbers. Mm. A lot of this stuff, oh, okay, just yeah. just put in the samples, but they're not samples; they are played live. Yeah, it it's like definitely it. definitely happened, but because it's so super squashed, you, the, the dynamics of some great playing get lost, uh, and I want to hear it because mm. I think people would latch onto it mm. because like her, her her voice is not amazing but she does have hooky um um melodies but it just needs something more to hang its hat on i think um on the singing i i, I was i was also going to say that uh this kind of listening to a whole album kind of made me realize how many different things kylie can do with her voice as well like she sounded like completely different in 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 some songs like i think magic she sounds like Kylie Minogue the way you expect her to sound, but on yeah. other tracks is like a totally different voice. Like this is possibly not going to come across as a compliment, but like all, almost like Shane Coates from Madison Avenue kind of okay. sort of. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, she she can and like when I just can't get you out of my head came out. I didn't know it was Kylie the first time I heard it because it doesn't sound like her. It She's way way. Chestier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she can do a lot. And I also remember reading that Stock Aiken and Waterman said that she always nailed her vocal takes as well. Like I think people assume that because she came from acting to singing that maybe she's not the best singer in the world. But like why would Stock Aiken and Waterman make that up? Like, yeah. Mm, well, Madonna's yeah. not the best singer in the world as well. Um, so, you know, it's it's irrelevant sometimes. Well, Bob, that's a really Bob good... Dylan is not the best singer <laughs> yeah, in the world. True. <laughs> Point. Yeah. Well, here's a question, um, and uh, I might I might take this opportunity to kind of talk about something that we spoke about. I was listening to this in, in my in my home, and, uh, and I had it on the kitchen, and both my housemates came out and were like, started talking about Kylie, and, and they both were like, you know, Thinking about the like legacy, and and also I guess um, you know I guess currency in so much as still being able to put a Kylie song on and fill a club. Yeah. Um. There that my housemate was like, "There's only there's there's two there's two OGs and that's Kylie Minogue and Madonna, and and arguably Kylie has actually overtaken." In so much that, like, not globally, I don't think, like in it, European. Uh, well, no, I guess my my point is like this album is going to be in clubs and people are going to dance and it's going to be like these these are big songs for like a Kylie audience. Yeah. I don't think um, you could say overtaken because Madonna's ten years older than Kylie, so um, you know, ten years ago Madonna was probably still putting out. Dance for bangers, I reckon. Probably putting out <laughs> dance for bangers. I reckon. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. We'll we'll, we'll take it to we'll take it to the break and to, and check it. I would I would actually argue that Madonna, out since like music from the early two thousands, which is what I think is one of the hands down most amazing oh, great song. songs yeah, yeah. of yeah, yeah. all time, um, hasn't really kind of done that thing to keep her. Kind of going. Um, well, she's a little more divisive too than Kylie. Kylie's, you know, that was always well, the girl next door, and she's just a lo- seems, comes think, across as lovely. I think the difference really is that Kylie like clocked into a thing, and the, and the yeah. thing is like, um, like club bangers makes you feel good, yeah, and it's all uplifting. Madonna's kind of been in and out, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, look for me, uh, Miss a Thing was my favorite my favorite song from yeah. the album. 
I don't know if, if you guys could catch the kind of I wouldn't say it was a reference necessarily or a lift who knows but there was there's a song from like I guess the year 2000 called Lady um, by oh, yeah. Mojo. Mojo yeah and like the second Miss a Thing started that was kind of happening and then it shifted to another chord progression straight after that and I was like this sounds to me like a lady which was interesting because it was actually like not like disco but actually this kind of early 2000s house music and then it kind of got me going is Kylie more like early 2000s house or is she more disco and and really it's just just bangers all the time you know um so I think the things that like I really loved about this album was that like it immediately gave me this kind of nostalgia to like you know that whole sort of like piano based kind of lead sort of chord progression um and yeah and as you both have said like it sounds it just sounds massive like yeah massive um and i i i i reckon this could well be an album that people will be potentially I don't know. I don't know if they'll be talking about it critically, so to speak, but I think this is going to do better than what we would first anticipate when we bring in an album like this. Well, to you only podcast. need something. I think with albums like this, you only need one song to get people to hook, cook you in to listen to more songs. It's definitely got that. I don't know whether the um, whether the strength of the rest of the songs carry it as opposed to the single, but I think there's definitely stuff in there for people who like Kylie. I don't think it's winning her a lot of new fans, but I think it's pleasing a lot of old fans. Mm-mm. Should we rate it? What do you reckon, Eric? I reckon. Let's do it. Okay. So each week on the All Music Is Good podcast, we like to, I guess, celebrate uh, an unofficial podcast sponsor. The unofficial podcast sponsor doesn't necessarily exist as as an entity. Uh, they have no understanding <laughs> Or have had no fair warning that we will be talking about them. Sometimes it's a business. Sometimes it's a concept. Sometimes it's just a thought. Um, I hate when it's just a thought. (laughs) I like when it's something more, less arbitrary, (laughs) something more solid. Well, it's easy to write about the Instagram post too. It is easy to write about. It's look. It's nice that you know here at the All Music Is Good podcast. You know we're siloed. Um, in so much as, you know, I do my bit and Waz does his bit and we don't really have much discussion <laughs> as to what's going to happen. So without further ado, I am uh, incredibly proud to present to you for the second episode of 2021, the All Music Is Good unofficial podcast sponsor for the week is the pre-crumbed chicken schnitzel from the deli. Thanks. What? Ooh, I like that. Which deli? Uh, well, carry over in fact, it was actually pure poultry. Uh, Are you talking about those ones from the like Coles deli? So we're gonna get we're gonna uh, get into this. Okay. Yeah. Oh, from any deli? From or? any deli right. broadly. The oh, deli. Right. But gotcha. I but I did yeah. put in brackets pure poultry because I'm a, I am <laughs> gonna talk about like my experience with a pre-crumbed chicken schnitzel. But I but I think it would be it's, it's a really really good. Um, it's Not a, a chicken Kiev schnitzel. Yes, yeah, schnitzel. Okay, cool. And um, <laughs> I get very sensitive about Schnitzel. that. Schnitzel. No, <laughs> you guys, I, 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 will, I will walk out. I will trigger him. I will walk out. So I guess fundamentally, sometimes when you're in a hurry or, you know, you're on the move or you lead an active lifestyle, you don't have time to butterfly your own chicken breast, lemon the hell out of it and salt and pepper it. In my case, a lot of pepper. Um, so the other day I took the ultimate risk and bought a pre-crammed 
pre-spiced chicken schnitzel from the deli. And to my great surprise, they did a great job. Great chicken, not like the supermarket schnitzels, like it actually was chicken. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I felt like it was the real deal. But then that kind of led me to a bit of research about, you know, people's thoughts on sort of pre-crumbed chicken schnitzels. Um, and lo and behold, I stumbled across an amazing forum on the internet with lots of highly opinionated people. So I, I guess I wanted to share you share with you both, um, I guess, some of the kind of insights mm-hmm. that are happening in the community. Not then, too many, just a few. And then we can talk about um, talk about the pre-crumbed sh- chicken schnitzel and, and think about how we're going to use it as a rating scale. So... Um, <laughs> I think that's pretty right. easy. I, I think I, I think the rating scale is pretty easy. Or, <laughs> just, oh, you're talking about crumb content or something well, like that, eh? Um, or maybe different types of supermarkets. That we I get forgot from, that like we have to turn this into a rating system as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's so, pretty much the only reason you're here, Ryan, because you've actually proven quite depth. <laughs> you are really good at that. That's true. So Maxima wrote on the forum, um, it doesn't taste anything like the proper fat, juicy, fresh chicken I buy from my local market. Um, typically, these pre-crumb schnitzels are very thin. I'm wondering if it is an even chicken or... Is it does it have excessive breadcrumbs? Mm. Um, they don't pan fry well. The schnitzel turns too hard. All right. The next one, Miata wrote. You'd expect that they should be a butterfly breast of chicken and crumbed. They are not. They are formed meat. I made the mistake of buying a couple too. Now I buy breasts and butterfly and crumb them myself. Yeah. Well, that's always the best way. To well, do of it. course. Yeah. But also, um, why would you just pan fry? Don't you like? I always pan fry mine for a minute each side, golden them up, and then put them in the oven and finish them off there. Well, we're okay. going to talk about because my experience was, you know, contentious. The final uh, part of the conversation I thought I'd want to add to you. This was um, by a poster named With Cheese. Uh, With Cheese wrote, <laughs> "I've wondered." Though about the general state of schnitties recently, oh, don't call them that. <laughs> yeah, right, I hate that too. It's like uh, calling it savvy B, right? Savvy yeah, 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 I hate yeah. that. Yeah, too. shocker. There is a local pub that sells a chicken schnitty that hangs over the edge of the plate, and I have never seen a chicken that big. I've never I assume- seen a plate that small, so you know, <laughs> yeah. each their own. Each their own. I assume that most of the cheap pub schnitties are made from <sighs> reconstituted meat these days. Anyways, this, this guy lost me with yeah. his. <laughs> when, when, when he, yeah, when he, he had to keep schnitty, calling yeah. it schnitty. Yeah, That's yeah. disgusting. Is, you don't want to eat that. You don't want to eat schnitties. So I guess just to like, I guess uh, go back through my experience. It was real meat, and uh, it was very, very uh, heavily crumbed, but it did burn. Very quickly. Well, that's what what oil we're using. We're using a oh, rice bran oil. Using or? Veg- vegetable oil. Oh, yeah, you want to use something with a bit more of a higher smoke mm, boil, smoke more, point. More. I mean, I'm, I I will look. Was I, I've <laughs> always respected your culinary abilities. Yep. But uh, do not fuck with my schnitzel. Okay. Well, I, I I know how to make a schnitzel. Was the original owner of the uh, chicken schnitzel website before I on sold it Is back it, in the nineties? Are you serious? Chickenschnitzel.com. Chickenschnitzel.com. Are, are, are you? Are you serious? I am serious. But um, oh. I just want to. <laughs> <laughs> point out that you should really know what you're talking about, Eric, before you come at me with that bullshit. Because <laughs> I feel like I'm relatively well qualified to talk about chicken snitches. About the smoke point. Yeah, smoke points. Okay. Frying, oven frying, like where you get them from, all making them yourself. I feel like I'm I'm qualified. So let's, okay, let's well, do this. Well, let's let's do this. So um, rating scale. I mean, like I guess a pre-crumbed. I'm kind of thinking like one of those pre-crumbed chicken schnitzels. Obviously. Uh, heavy on the crumb, always. Um, 
Low on the pepper. What sort of crumb? Like panko? Or oh, do you like a like, It felt like this, they were they panko crumbs. Okay. Which I do not approve of. You're not panko, man? Not a panko guy. Okay, right. what what do you do it yourself? Um, no, or? no, no, no. I'm just a standard, like, 90 cent breadcrumb pack from okay. the supermarket. Yeah, that's, that's legit. Um, I mean, my vibe is basically, I, I don't mean, you know, do you want me to go there? I mean, I'll quickly. Like, do you ever use cornflakes and things like oh, that? No, no, like, no. You know, I don't you fuck like with the that. crunch like, factor. Can you still get those? It was cornflake crumbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can. Yeah. Yep. So sorry, basically, yeah. Sorry, my, sorry. my cut is basically you <laughs> know <laughs> butterfly the chicken. Keep it keep it nice and small. Yep. Um, do you like uh, hammer it out? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll give it a good good bash. A bit of pan. Then uh, then it's a then it's the first the first hit is a bit of lemon mm-hmm. on the actual chicken. Okay. Salt like generous, uh, one side and then. Pepper like until your wrist almost breaks. Like it's mm-hmm. got to be too much pepper, mm-hmm. and then do the exact same process flipped. Mm-hmm. Um, then I've then you know egg, breadcrumb, vegetable oil. You don't flour first. No. Okay. Many people also like to do a double breadcrumb. Yeah. But I feel that's just a little bit too much. Yeah. Um. Anyways, that's that's my way of making schnitzels. Yep. Okay. Cool. So, um, regardless, what's the rating scale? <laughs> I don't know. That, I mean, that you established know. how you cook your chicken schnitzels. How about we review the album? Okay, with the so I, I guess perhaps we could look at it as, as like a, I don't know. We could look at it as like a crumb density. We could look at it um, in terms of its crispiness. Well, we could its rate, juiciness. Yeah, I mean, we could go different types of crumbs. Like maybe you want to go cornflake, like panko, I like standard, that. or you might want to do like a spelt crumb or. You know what? What are the what are the best? Or Ryan, what what's your take on it? You could you could pick something for a rating system. Yeah. (laughs) No. Uh, This is is working backwards, but it's the out of ten rating for the schnitzel you just ate. Okay. (laughs) How good? How how good was the deli? Okay, so what you're saying? How good was the deli? Yeah, out of out of ten, how? What did you think of the? No, this is a terrible. No, 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 no. no, But let's let's go through. Let's go through with it. It, I would say it was a four out of ten. Right, my deli schnitzel. Yours, okay, and yet it still became the uh, podcast sponsor of the because week. It, it definitely actually it like it eclipsed what I expected. Okay, right. so we can just rate it on whatever we think our preferred schnitzel is. So, like for me, like I thought, Ryan was he, about to like do this some hectic yeah. maths equation, which is like if your deli schnitzel is a four, and that is the unofficial podcast sponsor for the week, then your four is your ten. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, actually, okay. I was thinking, how much time did it save you? Like, it, it did, saved me because let, let's face it, you're buying a uh, pre-crumbed schnitzel from the yeah. deli because it's faster than you know doing all the business with like plates and. That's yeah, right. At, yeah, that's right. At our house, we use about seven plates you every time we plates. do it. Because, yeah, it's um, messy and it's it's intensive. My, yeah, my wife is gluten free, so we have gluten free flour, and for some reason, I don't want to use that, so there's another plate for the. <laughs> Regular plain flour, and yep. then two types of crumbs, and yep. then two things of egg because you don't want to cross pollinate the oh, yeah. flour. Yeah, I, like okay. I think we're, I think we're moving here. So how many plates didn't you have to wash? That, yeah? How many plates didn't you have to wash based on the the Munro household of chicken schnitzel <laughs> making? I think that works. Okay, Let's you guys go, go first, and I'll just Let's go. go. With so basically, fundamentally, seven is top score. I don't get it. Okay, yeah, yeah, all okay. Right. It's, it's like five stars, but seven. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. seven is the highest. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Okay, so just to just to kind of reiterate, the rating scale this week is uh, how many? Pl- yeah. yeah. Okay. How many yeah. plates have to use? The more plates, the better. How That's many plates the, didn't you have to use I because you bought oh. a pre-crumbed? Schnitzel. How many plates didn't you have to use, <laughs> Ryan? 
I think your brain has the ability to set us on the right journey here. So we might start with you. Five. So you didn't have to use five plates. <laughs> so it was really good or not really well, good? At, at the end of the day, I'm giving this album five out of seven. I okay, think, yeah. okay. Mm. Okay, five out of seven. Okay. Okay. I, I'm going to give it, um, again, one of those things which was like this, strangely, is gonna, I'm going to listen to this a lot. I think it's it, like it, it found a spot in my like space, which is like cleaning my room. Or, uh, you know, scrubbing something. It just there's something amazingly repetitive, like in a in a great way um, and a great tempo. One hundred six, yeah, as you said. So the one hundred six ness of this. I think you said one hundred six. So I said one hundred four. One hundred four. Sorry. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm also going to go. I'm also going to go a five out of seven. I'm going to go a five. I, I didn't have to wash five plates out of a potential seven because I had the pre crumb schnitzel. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it four and a half out of seven. Four and a half plates. Half a plate. Half a plate. Well, half a schnitzel. I I, I had a leftover schnitzel or half of the schnitzel that I got didn't look appetizing from the deli. So I just cut that off and then had half of it. Or maybe it got burnt because I used the wrong oil. I used a vegetable instead of rice oil. So I just... Got it in time. Oh, that, so I just so cut you, off That's half a bit of, of a dig, dig across <laughs> the table, isn't it? I used a vegetable <laughs> instead of rice oil. Rice bran. Um, <laughs> so, look, I'm going to give it four and a half out of seven. And I don't right. know what the scale is, but four and a half out of seven. So yeah. that's a that's a five, a five and a four out of seven uh, for Disco by Kylie Minogue. So our second album for this week's episode is by an artist named Jay Electronica, and we are looking at his album A Written Testimony. We this is pretty old this album, isn't it, Eric? I guess this came out what late was it late twenty twenty? Oh, I think it was March twenty twenty. March so twenty twenty has been on the back burner of albums we wanted to get back to. It, it has been so. Born Timothy L. Padaro Thedford, September nineteen nineteen seventy six. He's professionally known as Jay Electronica and is an American rapper and record producer. Inspired by LL Cool J, Jay Electronica began rapping at the age of 10. He grew up in the projects of New Orleans, attended the All Boys St. Augustine High School. He was a part of the famed Marching 100 band where he played multiple instruments. Electronica left New Orleans as a young adult in the 90s with the intention of moving to New York City, but took a stop in Atlanta, noting all the now hiring signs because of the 1996 Atlanta Olympics. Oh, yeah. Yep. The legend and the enigma of Jay started here, and it's really unclear what the real history is. There was a legend of an incredible rapper who would disappear and reappear in different places. There was Erica Badu hookups, but it wasn't really until 2007 that Jay Electronica released his first mixtape, Act 1, Eternal Sunshine, The Pledge, via MySpace. 
It was downloaded over 50,000 times. That success led to Electronica joining the Rock the Bells tour in 2008 and hooking up with producer Just Blaze. Just Blaze would later debut the collab Exhibit C on Tony Touch's Cyrus radio program, where it quickly caught on, making its way to... Serious, I believe. Sorry. Serious, making its way to terrestrial radio stations. The song itself was different at the time, as it didn't really have a hook, and it was just a five-minute continuous rap, but it was killer and it influenced a lot of production to come. A bidding war ensued with Jay signing to Rock Nation in 2010. Though fans and critics anticipated a full-length album, it just never eventuated, and there were bits and pieces of singles and rumours of completed product, but nothing came. Um, out of the blue, on February 7th, 2020, Jay Electronica announced via Twitter the, com- the completion of his album, A Written Testimony, which was recorded over a 40-day period. It was released on March 13, 2020. On October 5, 2020, Jay Electronica then announced via Twitter that his previously unreleased album, Act 2, The Patents of Nobility, was available for streaming on Tidal after the album had surfaced online two days prior. But the album we are looking at tonight is one we have left over on the list from 2020 and we just felt we could not ignore. So let's do it. Yeah, man, like listening to um, Exhibit C, going back and listening to that, um, I remember that coming out at the time. That was like, you know, as Johnny Lawrence would say from Cobra Kai, it's fucking badass, that that song. It was awesome. Anyway, sorry, Eric. Um, I'm just going to get right into it. Um, I, I guess... I think we started listening to this end of last year and we were trying to find a place for it. We could, we, we were unsuccessful. But um, this has become, I guess, an album that I listen to very, very consistently. Um, I love the feeling of it. I love the sound of it, the tempo, um, just the overall, I don't know, I want vibe just feels like a throwaway word, but I just love it. I think it's brilliant. Um I might just go through the songs that uh, stuck out for me. Um, go, the, the the ones that were really kind of stand out for me was Ghost of... Yeah, uh, Soldier. Yeah, was yeah. it Soldier? Yeah, Soldier Slim. Uh, Soldier Slim. So for me, that this kind of feels like a love child between a RZA verse on an early Wu-Tang production as well as like Jay-Z being the vocal coach. It's kind of like his tone has this Jay-Z kind of sound to it, but the 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 flow... Are you talking has, about Jay-Z rap? Rapping? Yeah, yeah, Jay-Z rap. But you know Jay-Z is rapping on the song. Oh, is he? <laughs> uh, yeah. Hold on, Jay- hold on. Jay-Z isn't, takes I've, the first verse, dude. I've got something to say about okay. this. Okay, yeah. well, that's really good to know. Thanks. <laughs> well, it really so, does, you know, I mean, like, it definitely That was, that was sounded, the weird thing, of, thing about it. Like, yeah, the man. first rap of the song is Jay-Z. So the first rap the first of the whole verse. album. Yeah. No wonder you thought he sounded like Jay Z. <laughs> yeah. so, so, like that, that, you know, he sings this, takes the second verse, and it's completely different. So, right, so Jay Z right, 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 sings right. a lot on this whole album. Okay, well, that's really good to know because you really listened to this a lot, haven't you? Well, no, I did. I did listen to it a lot. <laughs> oh, but you just I didn't pick it up. I just no. I was just like, wow, this sounds so much like Jay Z, but yeah. but I, I didn't I didn't look at the credits. Well, so. I mean, I mean, we'll go more into mm, it, but it's he, probably, he's not in the credits. No, he's not in the credits. Well, he is in the credits. He is in the credits later on in the record. Oh, okay. Yeah, Sean cool. Carter shows up. So, yeah, I don't remember exactly where it was, but I was like, 
So, okay. When I say so I what's when, your when, thoughts on Jay-Z as a rapper? I love Eric? him. I think, okay, I, I think he's I, just great. I don't like him. as, too, as yeah. I'm not a big fan of Jay-Z, but I actually really liked him on this album. I thought this is probably the best thing he's done, like, in, like, decades, like, 15 years. Like, it's 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 works for me. Sorry, keep going. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, like, now, like, I'm, I'm kind of, like, I'm shook because... I looked. I didn't look at the credits on this song, but I looked at credits on other songs, and then it showed up that Sean Carter was a writer. So now I'm like, did did uh, Jay Electronica write the rap for Jay Z? I wouldn't sing? have thought so. Well, that's, um, I'm going to look it up when I stop talking. But um, that's not how uh, you do things, is it? You don't write raps for other people, do you? Like in that? Well, that I level? mean, have a look. I mean, let's have a look at the credits. I'll move on. Um, Shiny Suit Theory was a real standout for me as well. I love the beat. I re- it really affirmed that you're like in Jay Electronica's world. Like, this one kind of felt like Common and Wu Tang kind of combined. And I'm sure you're probably going to tell me now that well, actually, it was Common rapping. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, and the other song that really stood out for me, I loved Ezekiel's Wheel. It's a track that on every listen always pokes out. Tempo and samples are just brilliant. I think Ezekiel's Wheel is what we did. We just listen to Ezekiel's no, Wheel. No, that was uh, Soldier Slim. Slim. Yeah. No, Soldier Slim. Um, I loved Ezekiel's Wheel. I love that. And then A P I D T A, which was the last song on the album. I think mm-hmm. um, you know definitely recognize that because I think it's actually Krungbin release. So mm-hmm. they've put that song out already, mm-hmm. and I kind of liked it. Um, to me, it was a bit like oh, kind of flavor of the month kind of situation. Krungman's popping, so let's get their track on the record. But I thought it was pretty cool. Um, but overall, I love the album. Um, I love the sound. I love that it's kind of like this return to sort of, you know, rapper and DJ on samples. like samples. Mm. And it's great. And I and I recommend everyone go listen to it. I mean, I did do a bit of history on like I looked up some of the stuff about Jay Electronica. I don't have it written down, but um, there's, there's some, you know, major sort of biblical kind of references in so much as you know, um, you know, uh, just basically Old Testament stuff, which I thought was really, really interesting. Could deep dive into that, but that's probably an entire episode. Yeah, so. I mean, we've gone down rabbit holes for catwalks. It's probably a bit too much of a juxtaposition, <laughs> I think. Probably tonight can't have two countdowns in one episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, I, I look overall completely love this album. Would recommend it to anyone who asks me what I've been listening to. I think it's awesome. Okay, want me to go? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, you know, just to touch back on that Jay Z, Jay Lek, um collab, like it, it, that was the thing I really liked the most about this. Like, I thought the juxtaposition, I've used that word three times tonight, but um, <laughs> I'll probably use it again. Uh, I, I thought it worked really well. I, I thought the differences between the styles, the tones, the cadences, like, they, it really suited each other. And I wish, I like, I hope they work together a heap more. Um, well, I mean, he like he's on Rock Nation, so yeah, well, he owns I guess, Rock Nation. Yeah, yeah, sure. Is that like a kind of is that something written into the contract that I have to sing on? Every, yeah, <laughs> I think um, I actually from doing the reading as well. I think uh, uh, Jay Z is really pushed to get this album out. Like he's really he's mentored the guy, right. and he he's been the one pushing for this album to come out for years. Um, I noted straight off, like when I wrote my review back in November, like there was a real MF Doom. Um, kind of vibe um, okay. to the delivery of Jay Electronica, um, which sort of like at the time it felt kind of poignant because, you know, we all know MF Doom sort of passed away in like oh, back in September, I think we found out, but we only found out in December that that had happened. Um, like 
you know, the whole thing is a bit of a dark and ominous vibe about um, about the whole album. And you can sort of see where the hype came from in the first place. Like, the songs, you know, there's a lot of bangers on this album. Like, And, you know, as Eric pointed out, like, you know, the old school, you know, sampled hip-hop vibes. You know, it could have been lifted off a Mad Villainy album, like a lot of the tracks, I thought. Um uh, like you know the the cartoon mystery sixties TV series samples mm, that mm, permeate mm. a number of the songs I loved it. Um, you know track two uh, Slim Soldier and um, track five um, the Dream was it I think it is yeah um, the Dream was good. The other thing I noticed about the album uh, there was a lot, there was a lot of guitar used on this and I'm actually noticing a little bit in. R&B recently there seems to be a return of of guitars um we sound like electric guitar electric guitar yeah like it's it's sort of coming back but I really like that trippy 90s vibe at times as well on there was a you know 90s sample production value I I, I really like this album a lot um uh the things that I didn't like so much uh the um the Universal Soldier song, I thought pitched the album in like a more modern light, which was okay. But when we got back to the sort of more sample based tracks, I thought that was that was his wheelhouse, like Fruits of the Spirit. I thought, and you know, that worked really well for me. Um, anyway, uh, I loved it a lot. I wish we had more content from this guy because, like, he's serious. So this is his first album. This mm. is his first proper album. And he's born 1976, so he'd be like 44. Four years old. Well, yeah. I mean, as we said in the intro, there's another album that's been released that was back wow. recorded ten years ago, and that's dropped on title. I, I have you listened? You've got a title subscription. Yeah, I haven't checked on. it out. Though, I haven't yeah. listened to. It. I really, I'm really keen to check it out. Um, Heavy duty. I, I wish. Yeah, I like the older stuff better than the newer production stuff on this. But yeah, there's there's heaps to love. Ryan Munro. Yeah, I loved it too. I really had no idea what to expect. I hadn't heard of J Electronica or. I love that backstory, though. Born in 1976, mm. kind of went to Atlanta for the Olympics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Started rapping, people lost their minds, and then didn't really release anything until 2020. Yeah, which is, what, 24 years later? Yeah. That's wild. It's but it's amazing as well. Like, he's so good. But, um, yeah, this, um, I don't know, I just love listening to it and... If part of the rating is based on how likely am I li- to listen to it again, I just wanted to stay up all night continuing to listen to this album. It's, it's great, so isn't good. it? Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um. Uh, about the Jay Z thing, yeah. Um. He he is in the writing yeah, credits. I'm, I'm seeing that now. But as it is do- Louis it Farrakhan, which is an interesting. Yeah, there's there's some like Louis Farrakhan's. Um, well, that's his sample, right? In the in the first two tracks, I think. Yeah. That's his voice talking, which yeah. are, which are, which immediately also struck me as like, wow. So like, if you've recorded a speech, then you actually go into writing credits of um, songs <laughs> oh, if you're well, sampling. Yeah, wow. I guess. Well, like, he, 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 he wrote, wrote out. He wrote yeah. what he was saying, so yeah. that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, that's lyrics. Mm. Or maybe he actually wrote, just made the beat. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, yeah. Jay Z showing up on there, but like he has a writing credit. So if you know who Sean Carter is, you know it's Jay Z. Mm. But it doesn't say featuring Jay Z. Like no, it's it's, it's, it's performed un- by Jay Electronica. That's right. And so it's kind of an uncredited special guest on most of the tracks on the album from the guy who owns the label. Right. It's <laughs> it's very Hollywood. And like anyone, like it doesn't have to say featuring Jay Z because 
Wasn't there a thing a- of Puff any- Daddy back in the day that he used to have sing on everybody's albums oh, as well? Oh, awesome. Wasn't That's that what so cool. he used to do? Like, he used to get, like, cameos on... Um, that right. was the whole issue between the East Coast, West Coast. Where oh, we we don't have to get our our um yeah record our, our record to label to guest on all our tracks. Correct. That's right. Yeah. That was part of that whole. Oh man. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm deep tonight. You are. You, you're yeah. Nice. You're in good form. Nice callback. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, it just kind of struck me that Jay Z featuring unannounced on all the tracks. Like, Pretty much anyone who is going to listen to this album, except Arik, is going to know that that's Jay Z's. <laughs> is going to know that that's Jay Z's voice. So him, him being. Thank you for saying that so nicely, because it's sort of like my mind's still boggling. But anyway, um, the most so, famous rapper of the twentieth century. It's wow, a, it sounds heaps it like, like Jay Z. Like Jay Z. Oh man, I'm really like picking up on rappers' cadences now that I could really pick that that does sound like Jay Z. <laughs> so can it go right? Um, just Jay Z being an uncredited special guest on most of the tracks is a bit of a power move. It's almost like it's such a power. You move. don't need to tell people who I am; they're going to know. Like That's it's right. it reminds except, me except of this guy. Well, <laughs> well, you could think of it in a philanthropic way, maybe because <laughs> you know Jay Electronica gets all the money for the songs because yeah. Jay doesn't credit himself on anything, yeah, except for the writing. That, so you know, he'll, he'll, yeah. But I know it just except for the writing, except for a hundred percent of the writing credits. (laughs) It's in the contract. No, it it reminded me of. um, It reminded me of um, in Kerber Enthusiasm. There's that episode where uh, Larry donates a wing to the hospital and says donated by Larry David, and then uh, Ted Danson donates the other wing and it says donated by Anonymous. And so everyone knows it's Ted Danson. Right. He gets all this credit for like being anonymous, but everyone knows it's him. So in this situation, Jay-Z is Ted Danson anonymously (laughs) guesting on all these tracks, but everyone knows who he is anyway. So, um, hang on, where are we? (laughs) Yeah. But I, I love the album. I think, uh, standout for me is definitely, um, uh, track two, Ghost of Soldier Slim. That yeah. I just whatever that samples Ooh, from yeah. is amazing, and it, yeah, um, the uh, track four, the Never Ending Story. That yeah. that's a great one as well. Great just, song. That's really kind of the first time you really get to hear Jay's rapping and hear what he does just nonstop for one and a half minutes, and it's just amazing. Like, and you know, there's a re- reference to. The TV show Bewitched in there, like no, yes, no wonder right. he's yeah. no wonder he's forty four years old. old. Like right. there's there's references in there from decades ago. It's great, yeah, yeah, but yeah. um, no, he he sounds amazing. And um, then when Jay Z comes in, like you can tell he's really trying. Like you can, that's right. I, he, I feel like most it feels like of, he's making the effort to rise up to Jay's level, and he has to. I mean, I I, I kind of get the impression from Jay Z a lot of the time that. His reputation precedes him so much that he doesn't really have to he put that much in. effort into it. Everyone knows he's great. He just kind of shows up. and mm. But on this, he's going for it. It's yeah. great. Yeah. And um, also that track, there's no drums. Like Which one was that? Uh, no, never ending, never um, ending Story, yeah. track right, four. Right, like, right, right. That's so refreshing. Like, when do you ever hear hip-hop with no drums? Yeah. It's so cool. Anyway, I love that. Yeah. Well, how about we take it to the um, uh, the schnitty board? Oh, yeah. Careful now, careful now. (laughs) So, if you've just tuned in, we are uh, using the uh, Munro household plate 
plate usage system in relation to <laughs> making chicken schnitzels at home. Hopefully by the end of the episode we'll have worked it out. Yep. So basically, and um, to correct the record, basically when you buy a schnitzel from the deli, what you do is actually uh, work back from seven plates and in fact don't have to well, use Well, you don't buy plates. a schnitzel, you buy a breast and then well, you, you crumb it yourself. That's right. Yeah, so. But... So there's a bit of contention here. We'll hopefully get to the end, like nail it by the by the end. But we're just going to use the amount of plates that you you make a yeah. a, a chicken schnitzel with as a, as opposed to no plates. Yeah, and we're, we're mainly about metrics anyway. So I'm thinking right. people can work it out. So I'm going to go all the way here. This is a seven for me, and seven equals. I'm just going to keep on listening to this, and I, I love it. So seven plates out of a total seven to create a um, gluten free schnitzels at home. Nice. Um, I'm going to give it a six out of seven. Six plates that I'm not using. It's like the perfect schnitzel. It just created itself somehow, and it went into my frying pan, and I ate it, and it was just perfect. So six out of seven. One plate we used. One plate was used. Yeah. Nice. It's all in one. It's a big plate. I don't know how that works. That just means you just kind of slapped some some no, chicken no. in some crumbs, and that's it. And ate, ate, ate off the same plate. It was one of those. It was like a massive pasta bowl where the sides were really wide, and I could put the eggs in the middle, and then I could put crumbs around it on the outside. Yeah, some sort of magical schnitty board. You can put it on an angle so the egg stays on one end too. <laughs> anyway, uh, six out of seven for this album for me. Uh, seven for me. Yeah. All right. I want to listen going to the album of the year, except it's twenty twenty. Doesn't matter. I can't count our podcast. Oh. This could have been album of the year last year. That's right. If I heard it, one hundred percent could have been album of the year. Yeah. Alas, that is Jay Electronica's. What was it? A written testimony. So the third album we have tonight is by the artist Arlo Parks, Collapsed in Sunbeams. Guys, sometimes you just have to sit back and marvel, I think, at genuine talent. And Arlo Parks, at the time of reviewing this album, is 20 years old. Oh, whoa. I did not know that. As a child, she discovered poetry and had a love of writing, finding she did so impulsively based on whatever she was feeling at the time. And she found this would often be really completely unfiltered and cutting and that's something that has flowed through to how she writes today and she's always done that since she was a kid. Um, as a teen, she discovered how to make beats and garage band after YouTubing it. That's how you do things these days. Yep, yep. how I do things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time she was in her last year of high school, she was collaborating with producers and met her future collaborator, Luca Busilati. Buscalati. Buscalati. Her parents allowed her a gap year at the end of high school instead of going to uni to see if music might pan out. Gap year. Her debut single was released in November 2018, <laughs> so only two years ago or two and a bit years ago. A yep. month later, she was signed to Flume's label Transgressive Records. 
Her debut EP followed in 2019 and 2020 was supposed to be the year of touring a heap and growing her audience. Um, COVID hit, obviously, which led her to, you know, I've read in reviews that she had feelings like she'd missed her window of opportunity and that people would forget her. Um, she rented an Airbnb um, um, in London away from her family home and wrote 80% of this album we're about to review in the first two weeks. Wow. Um the album itself, she explores themes of darkness and pain throughout, um, which is sometimes autobiographical, other times about her friendship group. Um, she's noted um, in interviews that even though she was mining a lot of these themes, um, they were meant to be shards of lightness and hope permeating throughout the songs. Um, that you know that things get better, but it's important to talk about you know that we go through down times and sometimes we hide for fear of appearing weak. And that's sort of the central theme of this album, um, you know, talking it out. Uh, she's won fans from Billie Eilish, Michelle Obama and Phoebe Bridger. She's also one of the only acts to play a crowdless Glastonbury last summer. Wow. So, look, it's funny how life works, guys, um, because without COVID, this album wouldn't have existed at all. Uh, I might throw it to Ryan um, to give us a bit of a rundown of what he thought of it. Um. Really? Glastonbury happened last year? Well, it was a crowdless one. So they set up a stage in front of the sta- the the skeleton of the stage, the main stage, and a, a number of acts displayed there. All right. I didn't know that either. No. Well, if you're not in London, you don't are. see it. You know, you, you know, it's on every channel over there on the BBC. Yeah, it's such true. a such a cool time when yeah, that when cool that happens. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we missed that here. We don't. I didn't until I played it and was in you know the UK at the time. Like, you don't mm. understand what a massive thing it is for the country, Glastonbury. Because yeah. it's on, like, four channels. You, you mark your program down. You watch bands play. It's just incredible. It is incredible. I'm, I want to share an anecdote, but I don't want to interrupt Ryan's story. You, yeah, you're sharing an anecdote. Like, I'm, I'm assuming Ryan's played He's it. He's also like, played I, it. I, you, I mean, like, the, I definitely have not played Glastonbury. Well, let's hear your anecdote then. But my, So my anecdote was um, I was in London and I got... Uh, so there's a band called Florence and the Machine. Uh, there's Florence and the Machine. The Machine is actually a producer from the UK. And uh, really, they're called the Machine. Yeah, well, that's no, such a cool like, name. But like, at, like in the early days, that's how the whole act got right. set up. Two okay. piece. And uh, the Machine needed to finish a demo for Florence. And um, and basically, this was wild. I was backpacking, like I was properly backpacking through Europe. Um, and uh, my my friend, uh, who's a mix engineer, was was helping Machine through like doing these demos for Florence. And I rolled up at, at in Crystal Palace, like telling stories of like when I was in Barcelona, just being like a backpacker. And um, and and basically, and my friend was like heading off to record the Kooks in um, in New York. And couldn't finish these demos that Florence and the Machine were doing, and and uh, and they were like, "Well, we need to finish them, but we're going to Glastonbury." So, um, and, <laughs> and then uh, and then and then my my dear friend was like, "Well, Ari could probably do it," and I was like, "Yeah, okay, cool. I'll I'll try finish those demos for you," which is like basically add instrumentation, blah blah blah. Anyways, long story short. If you they, look at Spotify credits for the song Strong, you no, will no, see Eric's name on no, there. No, no, you, you will not, unfortunately. Um, but long story short is they literally then piled into a car, like 
uh, from the studio in Crystal Palace and then drove to Glastonbury. And then I was there kind of fucking around with a demo and trying to like add instrumentation to it. And and then I was like, I may as well just watch the gig. And it was just this kind of really crazy moment of going, wow, this is like so UK right now. Like I like and like the I was like the football was on and then Glastonbury was on. And there I was in their studio as they were performing at Glastonbury. So that was a pretty cool, wow. cool, cool moment there. Yeah. Nice. Anyways, Glastonbury. Glastonbury. Good times. Let's um, talk. Let's talk about other so parks. I think Ryan was going to talk about other parks, but you, oh, yeah. You, oh yeah. well, you know. And yeah, no, that's a good anecdote. Good anecdote. Florence the Machine, Eric Mix did some demos, uncredited. Um, <laughs> keep going, Ryan. <laughs> so Arlo Parks, yeah. Um, 2019 Glastonbury. I hang on. We're, we're getting sidetracked again. No, no, go, um, go, go. I'm talking about Glastonbury. What's no, no, going no, no, on let's here? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I oh, know. I just I was in the UK at the time, and um, I I tuned in and watched all of Tame Impala's set, and it was amazing. Mm. And they had the full flanger on the whole mix, and that was coming through <laughs> amazingly on the TV in my hotel room. Wow. So, this is the best. But yeah, I was very proud of our Tame Impala then. Mm. So yeah. They're so good. Um, so good. Or he's so good, but they're, they. they're, they're so good yes. when they play live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. like six dudes on stage. Mm. Yeah, and it was at the time it? when. So that- do people refer to Kylie Minogue's they when they play live? No. That's just an but interesting. But this is what happens when you're pretty much a solo act, but have a band name as a name, I guess. But I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, so, Arlo Parks, if you're listening. Everybody missed all of the boats and windows that they hoped to catch and open in 2020. So uh, mm, it's yeah. it's happening. It happened to everyone. I hope that's some consolation. But anyway, I um I listened to this album and Arlo's great, like amazing singer and and you know she's got a lot to say and uh, the production was really tasteful. I thought, but um. And just cool, like just nice to listen to, but a bit too nice to listen to. Like, I'm not sure if you guys have this as well, but I can just kind of smell when something's from London, like uh, musically. Like it's a bad thing? Sorry? You're saying it's a bad thing? Yeah. Yeah, there's just this kind of... um, There is a London sound, and we identified that last year. There's this kind of sort of mun- mundane kind of tedium of everyday life yeah, that yeah, comes suburban through. Vibe yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it, it comes through in Lily Allen and it comes through uh, in yeah, totally. this Arlo yeah. Parks album. Yeah. And it, that, that doesn't it, appeal to you. No, and I was I was I no. watched <laughs> I watched Sliding Doors for the first time oh, a few months ago. Hilarious. That's so funny. And I used to love that film. <laughs> Who's in that? Gwyneth Paltrow? Gwyneth and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. the other dude. And it's there's <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow. Not the guy from Doctor Who, but the other guy looks like the guy from Doctor oh, Who. Oh, John Hanna. John Hanna. Yeah, yeah, the, the Scottish guy. Yeah, the Scottish other guy. Scottish guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Not Ewan McGregor either. But no, it's funny, like, I was I was watching that and I thought, I feel like Dido's about to come in. And it did. <laughs> Dido started and I thought, <laughs> and oh. there's a Jamiroquai song in there as well. He's gone cold. I'm wondering why I got out of bed at all. Like, it's just Gwyneth Paltrow constantly walking around going, <sighs> about everything. And <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you didn't. Get the eye roll. Just, no, no, just, just the listening sigh, to this. I got the sigh. <laughs> um, and I don't know. Just for some reason, nearly all the music that comes out of London, I get that vibe from it. Like I just think, oh man, Sliding Doors is playing. But um, anyway, so yeah, I guess maybe that's just something I have to deal with. That you know, I I can just sort of 
Well, you rather something more like I have got a Lamborghini and I'm driving down Hollywood Boulevard and I've got shitloads of money. You what? You like that vibe more? Is that what you're saying? Not trying really. To say? I just <laughs> weather is that hopefully, weather a factor? Hopefully, there are other vibes other than those two extremes. But um, <laughs> well, I've painted like one, you painted a vibe. I've painted a vibe. You saying yeah. somewhere in the middle is where? Which you like artist to be. would that be? <laughs> Def Leppard. <laughs> I wasn't thinking 80s hair bands. I was thinking more Kanye. About oh, right. Okay. What, this is one of the Smith kids. Maybe Jay-Z. Yeah, Will Smith's children. Oh, right. The Smiths. <laughs> the Smiths. <laughs> the Smith family. Yeah. Um. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, I, I totally get what you're saying. Mm. Like, I don't know if I that annoys me, though. It's They seem to be at a paint everyday life really well the the londoners it's because they're they're maybe their everyday life is kind of mundane and, mundane and dreary yeah. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe they, they they know how to like put that in song mm. so I, I i kind of really enjoy this album but it was kind of felt like a rainy sunday in i don't know east london yeah i'm trying to think of the right tube stop hackney. to name drop yeah why not hackney yeah yeah, it's a yeah. Rainy, rainy sunday rainy, sun, rainy sunday in hackney yeah look it's funny that you you mentioned the lily allen vibes because i that in my notes i said immediate lily allen vibes but i, I mean i'm also kind of curious about like i want to know what what took you to the lily allen vibes because i did a bit of thinking around that as well like what's taking me to the lily allen is it just well they the enunciate fact, so well is it the fact that it's just sung in a london accent or is there something else was there anything else that kind of popped up it's just that i'm, I'm not sure what it is it's just that vibe that that this is from london that comes through and i'm not quite sure what how i detect it but i do like <laughs> yeah. it happened the other day um Oh, my wife was put on a track by this forgotten boy band called Emanate, which was spelled M N Eight. Oh, I love and that. And after about four More bars, after about four bars, I said they're from the UK, aren't they? I could just hear it. Like there yeah, was something yeah, just yeah. not quite there. I don't know. Like, mm. yeah. is that a bad thing to have an identifiable sound? Like, it's not a know? sound I like. I guess that's <laughs> okay. so. For me, Fair it's enough. a bad thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's. A, I think there's a few factors here. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Because I was, I was actually having a little scroll through the credits as we were talking. Um, but I guess my feeling was that immediate Lily Allen vibes. And it's not just the accent. It's the whole pace and tempo and this kind of whimsical storytelling kind of approach. Mm. And then my, like, then I kind of went down another route, which was like, what, what actually happened to Lily, Lily Allen? Does anyone know? Like, she was such a big star and then... Oh, uh, yeah, she had a family, I think. So and- kind of just moved on? Yeah, I think that um, I was reading something about her the other day. Actually, I it's off the top of my head. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, she's about. But I don't think music's music's not a thing. I mean, it's a thing, but it's not the be all and end all. She's not trying to be a pop starlet mm. anymore. She just got. I think she's got some kids and got a house and awesome. a husband and yeah, so good. Not that that's you know whatever. But that's what which where she's at and she's happy. Yep. Yeah. So the thing that popped out for me is uh, after the Lily Allen reference, just musically, I felt it kind of gave me this Nelly Furtado reference, like the I'm Like a Bird song. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. You know? Mm. Not um, the Maneater song. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah, so yeah, good, yeah, man. Yeah, With uh, Timberland. I like that, that album. That was huge. Yeah. Huge. Huge. Did you yeah. not yeah. just question you? Did you used to try and find a way of putting that into your music? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. The, um, I think. That song came out mid two thousand and six, right? And 
I think by the time we got to like October 2006, we were doing a US tour and Will just kept on putting that drum beat, you know, the... (laughs) (laughs) He started putting that into the set like a lot more and then by the time we got to... This gig we did in Denver, he did it in every song, and I was just laughing my ass off. I was like, we're supposed to be doing a gig here, but Will's playing Nelly Furtado in every song. Even, like, really slow songs, songs like... But as soon as you heard that open hi-hat, you knew what he was going to do. But subliminally, was that, like, connecting with people? I don't know. I wonder. Like, were you playing the number one track in America at that time and dropping it in? I reckon if he did it in the middle of a drum solo, people went, woo! But, like, I don't yeah. know if they would notice if it was in the middle of another song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Amazing. So, anyways, I got Nelly Furtado vibes on this. Um, I, I thought in terms of songs, I love the song Caroline. Um, I think the intro grabbed me a lot, uh, but it just had that kind of, like, tenths chordal thing where you play the so – instead of the one and the three, you play the one and the – The three what, up and octave. The three yeah. up and octave. Yeah. Um, and it reminded me of, like, Weird Fishes. Again, like, oh, like, okay. it just yeah, cool. like it kind of there was a thing that was going on that was again like London, gap year. <laughs> um, she's 20, dude. No, I know, I know, I know, but this is not this is not a diss on her. Okay. It's kind of like, and then I went and looked at the production credits, Paul Epworth, um, who's like royalty, did all the Florence and Machine stuff. Ah, um, is he the machine? Did, was he no, he's did, not the machine. Did he okay. train under you, or was yeah, that, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, he trained under me. Um, <laughs> But but he's kind of like he's like UK royalty. He did all the co-writes for Adele. Okay, uh, I think he. Right. I like. I, I mean, I'll look this up. Yes, and I'll need, I'll need to get. It, I'll, I'll need to get it corrected. But I think as well, he worked as an assistant to Nigel Godrich. Yes, this is ringing up a lot of bells. Actually, so yeah. when you start to kind of hear these kind of vibes in there, you're like, this is this is my criticism of the album, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll go more to this. Um, I'll, I'll stay with what I, I dug. So there was Black Dog, and that gave me like this kind of weird Menahan Street Band feel, strangely, oh, like this oh kind of God. cinematic 70s thing, which I was like, okay, that's interesting. Uh, it, was, it was basically the nylon string guitar and the drum tone and the main answer to the hook on the synth. It sounded like a horn section. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really loved that song. That was my standout. I love the lyrics. I felt they were really, it was a really touching love song, and it felt like it was a love song to either a friend or a lover. But it also it just felt like a really personal experience for the artist. Then there was a song for Violet. Um, I, I love the cool production there, but it felt out of place against the songwriting. This is what I kept on re- referring to in this album. Eugene was the same for me, which again it had this like Radiohead UK London kind of gap year thing, <laughs> gap year thing. Um, <laughs> But so like they were trying to kind of like wedge this like hip kind of angular proggy yeah. radioheadness. Look, I've got notes here that over the top of this really like beautiful pop songwriting. Look, I, I've, my notes say that as the album went along, it did move into a more produced production yeah. element, and you can tell there's sample beats mm. and stuff that weren't there in the first four songs. So it, but it was really subtle, like how they sort of. Um, dropped into that, um, yeah. more of a production vibe as it went on. I actually didn't mind it because I thought it took us on a bit of a journey. But, yeah, I do know what you say. Like, you started off with those first four songs, which were very bedroom like recorded. Festi- and, and, but also felt like festival bangers, hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have said festival bangers, but, like, yeah, they um, they were certainly different to where it ended up. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that, that was me. 
What about you, Wes? Um, look, I wrote heaps of notes on this, but I'm probably just going to um, <laughs> ignore most of them. I think, um, look, the, the thing that I noticed is that, you know, the first song was like a spoken word. In, um, how did you go with that? I, I, th- I thought to myself, I wonder how Was is going with the spoken word <laughs> business. Because you know what? <laughs> this has come up before, yeah. I, I actually... Well, we're going to Jasmine Sullivan in a minute, so that's going to really like... Look, I've changed my tune possibly on that, and I I know what you're saying, but I can't remember what I said last time, so I don't want to go back and diss on something that I said and say the complete opposite. But what I'm noticing these days with these spoken word intros is that they're setting me up. They put me into a headspace whereby it flips me out of whatever I'm doing and puts me to this place and I'm listening and... It sort of starts making me think about first tracks of albums a lot more these days and does it put me into a mood whereby I want to listen to it? Mm. Um, and on this one it did, I thought. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's important. It, I think I'm finding it more important how I connect to an album because I want to connect to it really quickly and if I don't connect to it in the first two songs, I find that my interest in a lot of albums wanes quickly. So, yeah, I, I thought this one did that really well. Um what have I said? Um, yeah, I just thought it snapped me out. I really like Hurt. So that was the track that we played in the intro. Um, I really like that vocal drone that was sort of through it. Mm. Uh, that vo- yeah, I thought that was really nice. Um, I really like Too Good. I, like, I, I thought there was a real breeziness to it. Um, and that was sort of out of juxtaposition to uh, the lyrics. Um, <laughs> that's four. Um, you know, why do we make the simplest things so hard? Um, so I just thought I really liked the day-to-day realness of, of her lyrics and there was an innocence to it and it wasn't, you know, she wasn't overthinking it. She just based, you know, she got an Airbnb and she just wrote a bunch of songs and recorded them and they sounded cool and it sounded current and it sounded like, you know, that's, it's a generation thing. And I reckon, I, I reckon people of that age group are just loving it. And, and I thought it was cool. Yeah. Like, and, I, I just thought the whole thing was really cool. And how cool is it to not have all of the baggage in your life to then to just like do something like, so I'm just going to get Airbnb write my album. And like, <laughs> and, just, and then all your friends say? say, that's a fucking dope idea and you come out the week later with yeah, an album. <laughs> two weeks later. You know? And I'm going to get Adele's, you know, yeah, producer, I'll get Adele's to, producer. To, to, to mix it. Um, well, like, what were you going to say, Ryan? Can I just say that like, Two weeks in an Airbnb is not cheap. If you're in London, holy <laughs> yeah, shit, yeah. that's an expensive album. I wonder already. whether that's yeah. actually, if you compare that to studio rates, what that would look <laughs> yeah. like. I reckon it'd be a lot cheaper. A lot you cheaper. Reckon? Yeah, I reckon. If you've got an yeah. Apollo twin and you've got an acoustic and a little keyboard and your, and your vocal mic, it's probably way cheaper to get an Airbnb. Was it an Airbnb in London? Yeah, but to be North fair... North London, North London, I North think. London, that, yeah. no, an Airbnb in North London would not be cheap. Depends how far north you went. Maybe it was like Essex or something oh, like that. Oh, like Essex. Maybe Depend- northern yeah, I mean, suburbs of London. It's still a pretty bougie way to make an album, like... <laughs> like, there, there goes... <laughs> you the, really guys want to just pay no, out I want to hear this. No, no, they... There goes your gap year budget. I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah, maybe, there goes your gap year budget. Yeah. Maybe she had a bunch, you know, if you're feeling shit that you're about to go on tour. I can't remember who the artist she was about to maybe go on she tour got with. Credit. But she was about to do a massive big tour with someone that was about to launch her in the stratosphere. 
And it's just like, shit, I've gone from this to that. I'm 20 years old. I'm not thinking about anyone else because I'm 20 years old and I'm a bit selfish and a bit narcissistic <laughs> at this age. I'm thinking about me. Fuck it, I'm just going to go get an Airbnb. Yeah, be, be just get away from my parents' house because I'm probably still living at my parents'. I reckon. And I'm going to write a couple of couple of tracks. Yeah, and like they actually ma- turned like out really well. a massive album. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe like... You know, if we want to like really kind of like take the mystique and mystery out of it, she had all this Airbnb credit that she <laughs> from had the tour she from had the to tour that she had to cancel, and then yeah. she just kind of flipped it over to North London. Yep. Yeah. Nice. So, so what happens if you if you cancel it? Like, is there such thing as cancelling an Airbnb <laughs> or an entire tour worth booking? And only being able to get refunded in Airbnb credit, and like it's like Jetstar. And I'm just saying, fuck it, it's my gap year. I'm going to blow yeah. this in London in two weeks. Yeah, I'm let's make blow this in London in two weeks and make like the biggest album. I think of the it year. might have been longer than two weeks. I think she might have been there for a number of months. Right. Wow. So, okay. But this is fresh. Like this only came out like last week of January or yeah, something. It's really yeah, fresh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Off the press, guys. Look, I think yeah. like lyrically, there's something something to be said about lyrics that just are simplified down to like a really basic level that cut all right mm-hmm. so like what yeah. you know what was the song hope like the, the lyrics were you're not alone like you think you are we all have scars i know it's hard you're not alone you're not alone you know like yep. so for a generation of people who haven't worked through their shit and they're just you know starting out then you know lyrics like that i think just cut straight through and would speak to people yeah, I think, and I think that's really important. And and the songs don't get in the way; they're not overproduced like a lot of the times. It's on songs like that, just sound like 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 it's it's English, you know. It's like a like a year eight could have written that song, but like the way it's been produced and the way she sings it with such a vibe and innocence, like I just think it's really it's something fresh and cool about it, and it cuts home. So, yeah. what do you reckon? How would you score it? Was man, I'm giving it a six out of seven. Oh, right. six, six schnitzels. Six. <laughs> I'm giving a really plates. good schnitzel. A really good schnitzel on not many plates. A really good schnitzel. Okay, so six. So you, you, you actually used one plate and you saved six plates on this schnitzel. Ryan Monroe, let's go. Look, yeah, I was um, <laughs> I was hesitant to give out half plates because they don't make sense. <laughs> but uh, half a plate. It's a small plate. Yeah, it's about a f- four and a half for me because I think it's better than that. But just I, I, I couldn't really get into it because of the, the sliding doorsness of, of it all, I guess. Yep. So, well, that's six and a half out of ten that translates to, which is pretty good that's score. Not bad. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I, I missed the number that you gave. I was distracted by. I gave it a six. Like, he gave it a four point five. To four point five. I think. Um, you know, I, I put, prosecuted a strong case for I, this no, album. You really did, and 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 it actually shifted. Like I was like, yeah, this was great, but I'm like, no, it wasn't that great. Um, for me, look, sounded cool. Uh, I can totally see this. Like if I was on my gap year, I would listen to this like on the Eurorail, like as I'm going through like the English countryside and just thinking about, you know my feelings and all that sort of stuff. Um, Don't trivialise this. No, no, no. Sorry. Um, I look, I love, I love the kind of freshness in so much as it it really does feel like like I'm writing, I'm recording and it's done approach. Um, I, I, I couldn't get my head past what I felt was a really kind of overly self-conscious wedging of her songs into like producer, uh, 
looks. I felt like the producers were way too involved here. Okay. I would I would have loved to hear uh, a little bit a little bit more just stripped back. Yep. And as such, I'm gonna I'm gonna score it uh, probably a three and a half plates out of seven. Oh, five out of ten, crazy. Um, okay. The yeah, like the producer producers kind of stayed out of the way a bit more at the first half. The, of the first album. four yeah. to five tracks they did yeah. absolutely. I love that. Like just when like. Some producers just get the right people in the room and let them do what just they do. Do 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 the song instead of steer it in a direction, I guess. Yeah. Which is which is where I felt it kind of like it just started like it like it hit that part. It's like you know, it's like when you're driving back from um, like you're driving along the Hume Highway and and like you know, it's been it's been an adventure and you're out of town, you're out of town, you're out of town, and then you get to Wallen. And then once you get to Wallen, it's just like it's Melbourne. Like you can see Melbourne, mm. there it is. It felt like that heart, second half of the album was like the Wallen to Melbourne stretch. Well, that's definitely one analogy we could use. Uh, <laughs> but I think on that note, we will move on. Uh, that was Arlo Parks' album, Collapsed in the Sunbeams. Our final album for this week's episode is Jasmine Sullivan's Hotels. Jasmine Marie Sullivan, born April 9th, 1987, is, is an American singer-songwriter born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Her debut album, Fearless, was released in 2008 to commercial and critical success. The record topped Billboard's top R&B hip-hop albums chart and was certified gold by the Recording Industry Association of America. It spawned four singles, including Need You Bad, which peaked in the top 40 of Billboard 100 chart, and the former of which became Sullivan's first and only number one on the Billboard Hot, uh, the Billboard, Billboard Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs chart. Sullivan followed this with her second studio album, Love Me Back, in 2010, which was received by, well, favorably by critics. After taking a three-year break, Sullivan signed with RCA Records and released her first studio album under the label Reality Show in 2015. You know, she took a break because she didn't think she wanted to do music anymore. I'm going to talk about that yeah. in a minute, actually. And it became her second album to peak at number one on the top R&B hip-hop albums chart. In 2021, she released her fourth album, Hotels. Sullivan has received one Billboard Women in Music Award and one BET Award over the course of her career. She has also received 12 Grammy nominations, making her one of the artists with the most Grammy nominations without winning. Uh, There were two years between her first album, Fearless, and her second, Love Me, um, but five between Love Me Back and Reality Show. All three have earned Grammy nominations. So I went and did a bit of research. Uh, I mean, I've loved Jas- Jasmine Sullivan for years, but I- I'd never done so much uh, research around her herself as a person. Um, so this was kind of pulled out of an uh, interview she did with Vulture magazine. Um, so I'm going to quote some of the things that the journalist wrote. Um, the guitar 
Sounded a bit out of tune, but she liked it. Jasmine Sullivan was flipping through tracks on her computer, finding material to put words to for her new album. It was so heart-wrenching, she remembers. It just hit me. She jotted down lyrics for a plea, just don't have too much fun without me. Don't have too much fun. Don't have too much fun. Please don't forget about me. Try not to love no one. And the song I'm referring to on this one is called Lost One. So uh, I'll get to that shortly. Um, uh, let's have a look. Yeah, what she said about that was she just tried hard to think of the saddest thing that she could think of. And the thing that came to her mind was losing somebody that she loved. She's watched her mother battle breast cancer. So it, it also begs the question whether this was about a romantic love or potentially a family love. Um, in relation to the album, Jasmine Sullivan envisioned the album as an intimate set of confessions, the kind you spill out after a glass or a bottle of wine. Says says Sullivan, I thought about the conversations I have with my girlfriends, my mum, different people like that. The album would feature six tales, monologues, from real women in Sullivan's life, in which the protagonists speak plainly about their insecurities, longings, mishap and desires, romantic and missteps. Sullivan wanted to hear things that the women in her life feel deeply but didn't necessarily say. She'd had an idea for songs and half-finished lyrics, but her her desire to listen to her friends talk dictated the course of the project, almost like a journalist or a biographer. In 2011, uh, between Love Me and reality shows, Sullivan tweeted and then deleted that she planned to quit the music industry, as was I said just prior. Um... The journalist asked her to reflect on the 24-year-old version of herself that wrote those tweets and later returned to make some of the best music of her career. She was in an abusive relationship at that time, she says, and extremely lonely. It made her growing success feel like an afterthought. Some of Hotels, she adds, might have been what she needed at that time. So, let's talk about the record. Um, was, was there anything you wanted to add in terms of what you'd looked up about Jasmine Sullivan? Oh, no, that pretty much covers it. So... Huge fan of this artist. Um, I might just uh, just point to my favorite songs. So pick up your feelings. I just loved it. It was like this amazing six eight feel, but it was like kind of upbeat and punchy with a killer vocal performance and all the all the tricks that she does with her voice all feel completely in place. It doesn't feel like acrobatics. It feels just like an overall extension of how she's trying to express herself. Um, what I found really interesting on that track and through the record was this kind of beautiful interplay between that 2020, sorry, that 2020 triplet thing that showed up in a lot of records <laughs> with that stuff. But then she'd kind of like, she'd do that and then she'd like sink back into this like old school 6-8 soul vibe. Yeah. Um, price tags I really liked, really cool feel. I kind of expected more from the collaboration between her and Anderson Pack, just like two people that are just so awesome. Mm. Um, it felt like the track warmed warmed up in the second verse when Jasmine Sullivan started singing. Mm. Um, I, th- I thought the chorus was just kind of like really half baked, like they couldn't get there. It's very Anderson Pack though that track. You right. know? Like it felt like an Anderson Pack track as opposed to Jasmine Sullivan track. I thought. Speaking yeah. of Anderson Pack though, did anyone see the uh, live? performance he did for a charity that came out over the weekend no it is mind-bogglingly amazing right it is incredible he's got the full band live in a room and it's it's an hour of anderson pack giving 
the A-grade performance. Wow. It's incredible. That's definitely what incredible. we're doing when we pack up tonight. Um, yeah, I wrote more about this. It was kind of like, because I think it's an important one because we're talking about, you know, such amazing artists at like on a track together. I said the chorus didn't grab me. It feels too juxtaposed. <clears throat> Was I? That's your word for today. Yeah. To the vibe in the verses. I thought Anderson Pack's verse felt just a little bit too sleepy given the energy of what Jasmine went for. But then again, it kind of also warmed up in the second half of his verse. Um, but it also kind of felt to me like a label orchestrated collab potentially mm. as opposed to like a best man for the job on this track collab. Anyways, enough on that song. Uh, the other one, last one for me, Lost Sorry, Lost One is a standout track. So this actually got played to me. I didn't, um, this was played to me in a car ride home. I've been working with this amazing artist named Hayley Kramer. Mm. And, um, and she's like, have you heard the new Jasmine Sullivan record? And I was like, I haven't actually, but I'm reviewing it for this podcast that I do, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you have to listen to this song, Lost One. Mm. So we're driving home late at night and she, she played it to me. And, um, and since then, I, I've had it on repeat. I think production-wise... Um, I just love the play around between the the hi-fi and lo-fi sounds. Like you got this lo-fi guitar that sounds like it was recorded on a on a phone. That's modern R and B. But dude. then That's the vocal is. is just like That's what you do these a million days. bucks. Either trashy drums and hi-fi keys and guitars and vocals, or some sort of trashy element. But you don't, yeah. But but the vocals in particular were just like mm. ridiculous. Uh, the harmonies for me were just like gave me goosebumps. Um, and then the lyrics, which I, I, I tried to kind of transcribe, which was don't have too much, don't have too much fun without me. Please don't forget about me. Try not to love no one. And to me, those lyrics totally capture that grief that one goes through in a breakup. And she sings the shit out of it and you totally believe it. Well, that's some, that's the collaboration with her, um, that track, Lost Ones. And um, it, if lost one is it? Yeah. I thought the collaboration was "Girl Like Me." Oh, was, "Girl Like Me." Sorry, sorry. Which Girl I'm like getting me. to. Yes, yeah, so "Girl Like Me." "Girl Like Me." This was really interesting for me to listen to because um, I couldn't actually tell who was singing. Yeah, it was a diva off. It really was. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I loved it. Like I was just like, this is amazing. So, have you seen the live performance of them doing on Tiny Desk at no. the home Tiny Desk? Oh my um, God. We could YouTube that afterwards as well. Please. It's incredible. It's like. They're modulating on, like, every level possible. Like, it's incredible. So what did you think, was? Well, uh, let me look at my notes. Uh, look, look straight up, I thought this is a, pro- this is a serious album, mm. like a serious album. Like, there's a concept, which lots of great albums have, so, like, you know, feminine and sexual empowerment. Um, I thought it had um, a beginning and a middle and an end, which which I want in a, in a really good album. And... Like it's awesome to see a singer like like who's totally on top of her game, like totally on top of her game. Like say she's singing in a in a genre that she's totally comfortable with, and it all adds up to like to me to like to R and B perfection, pretty mm. much. So like I think the overarching comment would be that like to write an album like this, you do you need to be on the top of your game, um, and to feel secure in yourself as, as a person, which I think like she's at that stage in her life where she can deliver an album like this. Um, the, the album's really musical. I thought like in a, in a soul sort of sense. Um, look, despite the large percentage of trap hats on display, um, and like, you know, having said that, I'm kind of sad we never got around to reviewing the Amare album last year. Um, because the amount of, 
modern trap hat R&B hip hop albums that I paid out on last year it was running at close to 100% pretty much <laughs> and we didn't get to do that Amare album um, which I there was a lot of tracks on that that I really liked and the same with the Ariana Grande mm. album which I loved um, so like like let's de- deconstruct it a little bit um, what, like what is it that appeals to me and elevates these albums and I think, like, it's not actually that hard. Like, you know, there's actual, compared to a lot of the albums we reviewed last year, like, there's a lot of chordal voicings, mm-hmm. which, you know, a lot of modern R&B albums don't seem to have these mm. days for whatever reason. Chords. Uh, chords. I know, it's crazy. Um, an ability by the singer to actually sing really awesomely well, like, yep. amazing vocalist, um, and not singing, like, paint-by-numbers like you suggested, like, melody lines. Yeah. Um, I mean, who would have thought? Like, you know, yeah, that's, that, that's that, the bar. That's, that's, that's what Chords, you have to do. lyrics, melody is suddenly like, this is like a real standout. Oh, my God. This how come like, this, is, this is an awesome album? Like, like, wow. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. So, look, look, the, the thing's put together really, really well. Um, her voice is amazing. Amazing. Like, oh, my God. It's amazing. Like, and you know, like a lot of singers, you see they have this sort of comfort range where they sit in and you go, oh, we should sing in the lower registers more or, you know, this is their this is their spot. You know, this sort of, you know, these five notes is where their voice sounds awesome. Her voice sounds awesome across all ranges. Mm. And also, you know, when she sings in the lower range, it actually sounds like someone else singing a lot of the mm. time as well. Like it, she's, it's got really interesting sort of... Um, Sounds that she makes in that lower register, and then she goes on the high runs. You go, it sounds like a different singer. Um, so yeah, amazing. Uh, the first song that grabbed me was uh, "Put It Down," um, and I th- I got really um, thirty four, thirty five vibes. The Ariana Grande song with the no 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 that you know that's, yeah, that's gonna start the triplets. Um, so I wonder if that was a coincidence or yeah. What, what's the other thing? What's that jazz line that everyone that everyone used to reference? Oh yeah, the lick. Yeah, the lick. Is that the is that the modern lick? Do you think the triplet thing? Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's like yeah, great. You you heard about triplets? Do you want a medal? I don't know. Yeah, but um, but what I what I loved is that every time she does that triplet thing, she does something. Batshit insane. Yeah, that's no, that yeah, no one else can do. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost like, oh, you want to hear triplets, do you? Yeah, well, yeah. try singing this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. Does new things with it. I love it. Yeah. Um, on it, what a soul banger. Like, that's like, turn the lights down low, Valentine's Day special. Um, you know, all that, all those modulating runs were just amazing. I think that was my favorite track. Um, the Anderson Pack track, I didn't mind the Anderson tr- Pack track song, um, Anderson Pack track. Uh, Sounds like a camping company. <laughs> pack track. Pack, pack track. Um, look, <laughs> you, what you said that you thought Anderson was dying in a, in a little bit. Like, I actually thought it was very clever by Jasmine Sullivan. So she, in a lot of the songs, she often plays the role of like the super sub mm. or the pinch hitter. Uh, like she, so you know, she'll bring in a guest to do all the heavy lifting early on in the track. And then she just comes in with the crazy vocal range and just smashes home runs. You know, right. she's a pinch hitter at the end of so the she's, she's What am gonna, I doing like here? A, I'm going to take a bye in the first couple of rounds and I'm just going to come in. So she sets it up. She sets Someone it up. Someone sets it up for her and then, you know, I'll come in and just do the heavy, you know. Because, it, because she did do that because she she only came in the, in the second verse yeah, where she, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, she's just business end. Like, yeah. So I actually think that was quite smart. Very smart. Very smart. Um 
Lost Ones, love that, obviously. Um, and the Diva off at the end, love that too. Uh, the question I have for both of you is that what do you think about the length of the album? So it's not very long. Um, How long are we talking? I'll uh, look it up while we're going if you want. Yeah, it wasn't a super long album. Um, I didn't write down the minutes. I think it was oh, 30 minutes or something, wasn't it? I thought that title would Do tell you know me how many songs 30, it was? 32 minutes 21 yeah it's a little short. bit lean yeah, yeah. It's, it quite, lean. it's quite lean like it, I I think what I, I I thought about it for a little bit and then I was like eh whatevs like if it's good it's good I it's think it's good. enough now like I've seen shorter albums these days and even in you know the good old days, like Green Day, Dookie, that couldn't have been longer than half an hour. Yeah, true. I wouldn't have thought that's where you'd go with a reference. But <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fine. Jasmine Sullivan to Green Day's Dookie. I just reached just down for there. a short album and that's what I found. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, look, the, the, the Tierra Wax album, she put one out last year. I think it went for like eight minutes. Like To, to me, this has got a bit of um, the miseducation of Lauren Hill about oh, it. Oh, true. Yes. Um, and... I think fourteen minutes, FYI, Tierra Whack last last year, twenty th- to straight twenty nineteen. I think I if if I was gonna go, like I think this is a potential seven out of seven album, and uh, I I thought it was possibly a track or two short to get me there, but God, it was a really really good album. All right, Ryan, what do you reckon? I'm just uh, stuck on this <laughs> thing about the, about the album length. No, I'm looking up B by Common. You know, we... We, uh, we, we talked about that, didn't we? I oh, wait, 42 minutes, 33. Okay, longer than I thought, yeah. I reckon, like, I, I think, like, a half of a soccer match is about right for an album. <laughs> a quarter of an AFL match is just too short. Yeah, that's right. You know? Yeah, I, I think it's not quite there lengthwise. But as I said... It's good. But, it's but really I mean, good. like, was it? I, I guess the question to you was is like, did you feel like there was something that you wanted to hear extra of to get it to that time? Yeah, like, more, more of it. More of it. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good, that's a good position for an artist to put an audience member in. I guess so. But when you're so close to perfection, you just want to go, just nail it. Just, yeah. just take it there. And it may, who knows? It may have been a COVID I mean, album. Just, I don't know. Like, it, it could have been a whole lot of just, just, just while we're at it, do you want to just have a quick check what th- the length let, of let running talk about thriller? I'll look at Thriller for you. You have a look because I listened to Thriller <laughs> on Friday night and I was like, the f- side has four songs. Yeah. No, it's it's fairly long Thriller. Some of them, like... Yeah, okay. I learned to play uh, Human Nature today just for a bit of fun. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, that's a good just, one. Just on the wow. piano. Just got the piano. Yeah. You mean that? Yeah, I did. I learned that oh, too. Yeah. Um, so, why isn't Michael Jackson coming well, to Spotify? Well, I, I might give Waza the, the role of finding the length of Thriller. Yeah. Um, 42 got, minutes, uh, 19. Yeah, there you go. Okay, right, so that's about right. That's yeah. an album, yeah. All right. So, let's uh, let's hear from you, Ryan. What did you think? Uh, did of, you say 42 albums, 19? Because mine says 42 albums, 21. Oh my god! What are those extra two seconds? I don't know. What happens? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Ryan. What did you think of Jasmine Sullivan's uh, album? I thought it was great. I mean, I, I hadn't heard of her to be honest before this, and um, then I was getting Jasmine Sullivan from all directions. Like you guys uh, said that we're doing this album this week, and then I uh, looked up the Super Bowl halftime show, and oh, she was in it. Have you and, seen oh, wow. it? I, I haven't see seen. Well, oh, well, let's watch that afterwards as well. It is incredible because she sets it again. She sets herself up as the pinch hitter. She gets a country artist to sing the first voice, and then she just comes on and just goes, "Okay, just just go stand over there for a little bit while I just like 
just show you how it's done. Wow. It's insane. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. That I, I didn't actually watch it because I, I, I found there was like a YouTube playlist of the whole thing, which was, which was the three acts, and I thought, cool, if I start watching this on my phone, stop, turn on the TV, and then pick it up from there, then I'll be able to keep watching it. But I watched the weekend's uh, show, and then- That was it, not good. It well, didn't- Well, well it was, Twitter, Twitter said Jasmine won the Super Bowl. It. Okay. Right. Yeah. okay. So she beat Tom Brady. <laughs> Uh, well, and, and the was it Gronk, the, gr- the Gronkowski, the Gronkowski, yeah. the Gronk, yeah. the Gronk. Um, yeah, that weekend performance was really was a bit of a letdown. Uh, I thought. Just, I well, watched it. Yeah, well, I don't having like never it. watched a Super Bowl halftime show before, I thought maybe this is normal. I don't know. No, yeah. you, you, I think you go back and look at the uh, the Prince one. That's the best right, one. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I guess the barometer maybe and for the you, Ryan, is- might be like Meatloaf's halftime performance at the <laughs> AFL Grand Final. So, oh, man. and also the uh, the Bruno Mars one with. Um, Beyonce and Chris Martin sort All of time. like I can't believe I'm on stage yeah, with yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. and Beyonce wow. what am I, I doing here how did, how did no one notice <laughs> wow it's so funny oh yeah yeah that's all time as well anyways okay. so, um, so I didn't watch that but yeah no um, I hadn't heard of her and then I just listened to this album and it's amazing, like I, I, I don't know, like what an amazing singer. Like it, it's a shame, but you don't get that much these days, do you? Like, None. holy crap, yeah, no. Um, and what I said before about the triplet thing was, I, I don't know why people get so excited about triplets these days, but, <laughs> um, no, she, she really took them into the stratosphere, which was, which was great to hear. It was, did you, did you think they were done like? Kind of as like a kind of nod to like, okay, kids, this is what you want to hear. So let me give you some. Or do you reckon it was actually part of her songwriting? I don't know her well enough. Yeah, I, or yeah, at I all, mean, to be honest. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. no, no. Um, I, 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 like my feeling is that like, like I think the way you set it up before, I, I would almost agree. It's like, okay, here's some here's some candy. Like you know, I'm a gun. Old, you know, fully trained jazz vocalist. I don't, you know, if you want to hear triplets, okay, fuck, I'll give you triplets. Yeah. But I'm going to do something terrifying with them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. We've got to put them in. We've got to put in a couple of triplets just to, like, satisfy everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Any um, um, any songs that kind of popped out for you that kind yeah, of... Yeah, there was that slow 12-8 one with someone else as well. What was that one called? Um, Late in the record? No, kind of about halfway through. Maybe it was On It, track on six. It. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. yeah, that was... That was amazing. Um, I think that was probably my standout. But um, I also liked that it was a concept album, and that's yeah. that's not a, a phrase you hear much these days. But um, well, I believe there was some interesting I believe um, Beyonce guests. did a concept album last year. That was a visual album. Yeah, a visual album. <laughs> there, were, uh, there were some interesting guests who actually showed up on the um, on those spoken word bits. Ari Lennox, who's a big star, showed up. I think her mum also showed up. Yeah, so. Cool, mm. cool vibe. And just um, the the whole concept of the six spoken word interludes, which are followed by songs that kind of flesh out kind of the themes that were covered in those uh, spoken word interludes. I, I thought that was that was really cool, and um, some great writing on Wikipedia said uh, it it has been identified as a concept album and schematic a successor to didactic concept albums like the miseducation of lauren hill i've got a future in this industry i really feel like i have i did not read that all right pitchfork's got to give you a call i actually read a few pitchfork reviews lately i realized that i am a long way below whatever bar (laughs) they set is because 
when they were re- t- reviewing this album. I don't know. Actually, was it this album? Can't remember. No, it might have been um, a Maxwell album. And I was like, God, I don't know any of the shit that you're talking about. It's so deep that it's I could never be a Pitchfork reviewer. Album reviews written by people who write album reviews constantly. They they just yeah so much knowledge or so much deep knowledge but mm. it's a lot of it it's irrelevant knowledge i think sometimes but yeah that's not me well, thank you though thank you for suggesting no, though that i do have a career should, i think do. i might have suggested i had a career but <laughs> thank you for sort of taking me there so let's go around the room and score this i might go first um did ryan finish his review i think so i think he got there was there anything else that you wanted to add ryan no, 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 I'm I'm pretty good with that. Yeah, just amazing singer and great concept and really well Lee pulled off, I think. I didn't even realise that it was short, to be honest, but Well know. that's good, that's fine. I mean I mean everything doesn't have to be load by Metallica seventy eight minutes fifty nine, <laughs> but yeah. Well, as I said originally, I think it had a beginning, a middle and an end. It did feel like that was the end of the album. And I don't think we even talked about the production on this as well, which was also Which is also just probably a positive. Amazing. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe like, it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think you're always almost there's almost a part where like Yeah, you're looking for something. You're looking for something to yeah. go, Oh, the production was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it was beautiful. Yeah. Okay, no, let, you didn't re- you didn't have to look for something. It was just like, yeah, this is amazing. So, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I might go um look, I am prone to hyperbole. I'd I'd almost get close to giving this a seven, but it just feels too premature for me to go all the way there. So I'm gonna give it a six. Wow, so you're giving this one less than the J Electronica album. I think so. I think I'm going to hang out with J Electronica longer. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. I just. I don't think I. I think I'll hang out with this one maybe a little bit more than the J Electronica. Six and a half for me on this one. Like this is pretty close to perfect. I thought. Awesome. Uh, six for me. I think. Yeah. All right. So we have uh, a pretty pretty high score for Jasmine Simon. That's a six six point five and a six out of a potential. Seven plates that you didn't have to wash for because you bought your chicken schnitzel at the deli. Pre-crumbed. Pre-crumbed. So that kind of brings us to the end of this week's episode of the All Music Is Good podcast. Uh, Ryan, thank you again so much for joining us this evening. No uh, it's always an absolute pleasure to have you, Mr. 3.0. We might take you to 4.0 like oh. very soon. Let's just see how far we can get this .0 factor up. Was a great hanging out. This has been the All Music Is Good podcast. We will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in.